Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Hey, welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. I'm your host Brian and I'm back with another great episode this week. But before I get into it, go find us and follow us on social media. Just search for Concerts That Made Us on Facebook and Instagram and at Concerts Us on Twitter. Now my guest this week is a very good friend of the show. His name is Copper Kelly and he's a rising country music star from my hometown of Wexford. Now not only is he a great country musician, but he's also a self-confessed metalhead. So this is going to make for a very interesting episode, I can't wait for you all to hear it. And as you're listening, try figure out, is he a metalhead with a country heart, or is he a country star with a metalhead heart? But now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Made out of mud, a poor man's made out of muscle and blood, muscle and blood, and skin and bone, and a mind that's weak and a back that's strong. You know the sixteen tons. What do you get? Another day older, and people in debt sing. Peter, don't you call me, cause I can't go myself to the company store. Shine. I picked up my shovel, I went to the mine I loaded sixteen tons of number nine coal The straw boss said, well, uh, bless my soul You loaded sixteen tons, what do you get? Another day older, deeper in debt Saying, Peter, don't you call me, cause I can't go You 
deeper in debt saying, Peter, don't you call me, cause I can't go. Hi, Copper. You're very welcome to the show this evening. Uh, thanks very much for having me. It's uh, it's great to have another Wexford man and a Wexford musician at that. Exactly, exactly. I heard tell of you uh, off uh, Rob Billington, the Monster Fuzz, and he said, there's another Wexford man over there doing podcasts, so I said, I'll give you a shout and <laughs> see how you're getting on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big shout out to Rob as well, one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, oh, he's doing a great job himself and Eamon there. Um, talking about the old cryptids and the paranormal and stuff. <laughs> it's yeah, all good yeah. crack. <laughs> and even if you're not into the cryptids, just to hear some of the stuff to come out with, like it's just oh, you'd yeah, be yeah. in fits of laughing. <laughs> in stitches like. Yeah. So um we'll uh we'll get on to you enough about monster fuzz. Um yeah. <laughs> so you're a country musician and you're based in Wexford. Would you like to tell us a bit about your music? Yeah, I suppose. Um yeah, I've been releasing country music there last uh Last few years, I kind of started probably 2017 I released the uh, first song, I guess. And then, um, like I'm, a, I'm a home home producer, I suppose you could say. I have my own little studio in the house here, kind of converted a room and put soundproofing up and got nice gear and all that kind of crack. And I recorded my first album, uh, Worthwhile Waste of Time, um, in, yeah, 2017. I released it then uh, a few years ago. And it's got a good little bit of airplay around the place, around the world as well, which is kind of cool. And um, so I'm kind of keeping going. I have, you know, I do um, do most of it, a lot of it myself and put my own money into it. And so I have no manager or producer in that crack, as a lot of independent musicians are kind of like that nowadays. Um, so I have a lot of freedom to kind of do what I want. But um, I'm also a metal player as well. <laughs> so a lot of gigs we want to talk about is all, they're mostly metal gigs. Yeah, it'll, uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how a metalhead became a country singer. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, like I was, playing metal since I was probably 12 when I picked up a guitar I started playing metallic I think some kind of monster was like uh, the first riff I learned <laughs> properly yeah. um, when I got like electric guitar I was playing it in the wrong tuning and everything I didn't know he had to go down to drop C or anything at the time but um, so I, I was playing yeah playing in loads of the bands over the years playing in like um, had a metal band for a long time we were doing like uh, Trivium and uh, Lamb of God and Kill Switch Engage a lot of that kind of metal um, for many years and then I kind of got into pub bands and indie bands uh, indie band called Kings in the Skies based in Kilkenny um, we're hoping to get going again soon eventually um, but then I kind of I was working I actually was working in Loftus Hall you know Loftus right. Hall I do I right know it well yeah I was working there for about a year and then I left that and it was kind of in between jobs and I happened to bump into this woman called Dipna Walsh from just outside Wellington Bridge and um, I was just chatting away, chatting away to her and she was oh, asked me what I was doing. I was like, oh, well, I'm kind of doing nothing at the moment in between jobs, as I say. So uh, she, I, I'm a musician, though. She said, oh, geez, I'm, I'm a lyric writer, a songwriter. I've given songs like Michael English and a few of these kind of people. And she said, here, look, I'll give you some lyrics and just you know, make up some music for it, make up a melody and, you know, see what you can come up with. I said, okay, fake it, sort of do nothing else, so I might as well. So I had my little, my little inbox, you know, little, little, little uh, interface um, 
and my you know rudimentary version of Pro Tools at the time as well. So I was kind of I put the got the lyrics and made some melody, put some acoustic guitar on it, kind of made a quick demo of it for her that night, and I sent it to her that night pretty much, and she was like astounded that I did it so quick, and it was actually she liked it. So I said, "Hey, okay, record that properly, you know, and I'll get it on the radio for you." And I spent the next maybe month kind of you know doing it right and perfecting it, and mixing it, and all that yeah. kind of crack. And I gave it to her on Friday and she had it on Southeast Radio on the Saturday. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this. So, yeah. so I said, fake it, I'll try to write my own songs and um, just make an album and just see what happens. And apparently some people like it, so <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, it must yeah. have been some feeling, though, when it was uh, when it was played on Southeast Radio. And then you mentioned yeah. a few minutes ago that your other songs have received worldwide airplay. That must yeah. be some feeling. Absolutely, like um, you know, she put on Search Radio, and that's like you know, obviously being from Wexford, we kind of grew up with, with Tony Kyo, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, doing the country era and all this kind of crack. And uh, so I basically got to see, I've got the, the MP3 in an email that just happened across a, a, a big email list, and I started emailing it out to everyone I could, and I ended up getting played in um, Germany and Uruguay and. Uh, where else? Yeah, somewhere in a few places in America and a few places like uh, Scan or uh, Canada, and you know, a good few places yeah. around. And people were like, some Australian radio station called me up looking for an interview on the air, and said, "Okay, oh, Grant, fair enough." <laughs> you know, it's kind of <laughs> weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like last week you were there, you hadn't recorded anything, and all of a sudden now there's radio stations looking for interviews. Yeah. It's yeah. mind blowing. So, yeah, absolutely, and it's still. Still, you know, obviously, it gave me the good motivation to keep going with it. Yeah. And, uh, so I started writing my own songs. I do a few covers as well. But uh, see, on my first album, I had like 10 songs and six of them I wrote myself. And then there was like four covers or something like that. Mm. And same on this new album. I'm working on this like a second album at the moment. And I've a good few I wrote myself. And there's a few covers on it as well. Yeah. Because um, you kind of have to do that to kind of keep people happy as well. They kind of want to hear songs that they they um, are familiar with instead of these brand new songs that they don't know kind of thing so you have to kind of mix it up yeah <laughs> you, you know? need to kind of get their attention with the ones to know and then you know introduce yeah. them to your stuff exactly like my my last song was uh, my last single was 16 tons which uh, it's fairly I, I, I don't know if it's widely known but it's like a song from like the 1940s about coal mining it was yeah. actually in an episode of South Park uh, last year <laughs> so the Amazon one if you watched that one um, they played a song in it and Johnny Cash did a version of it as well in like 87. And that's, you know, and I, I loved it as well. Uh, great. You know, first time I heard it, I was like, oh, I have to, have to record it. Let's do a version of that and record it and release it. So I did. And then the single before that was an original song, called Get Gone. And so I'm kind of mixing it up, mm. you know. So, you know. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that song is one that even if you've never heard a country song, it'll be somewhere in your memory banks. I think it's just yeah. ingrained in people, you know, everyone has heard of exactly. it somehow. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah. I have to ask, I know the lady gave you the lyrics and everything, but was there a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to make this into a metal song or was it straight away? You knew it was going to be country. Oh, no, no. For that one, I knew it was going to be country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose if you listen back to it now, it's cheesy as hell, <laughs> uh, but you know, <laughs> you know, country can be cheesy as hell as well. So yeah. it's, you know, um, but yeah, for that one, I suppose not. Yeah, it was very kind of lovey-dovey kind of a song, so it wouldn't really suit a yeah. metal. It wouldn't come on with like a seven string and start baiting away. At it. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but the odd side, you know, 
sometimes you you have fun you kind of play ring of fire <laughs> pan mm. some distortion have a crack with it or something, oh yeah you know? yeah but other than that yeah yeah oh cool cool and uh you also have a podcast i do yeah um i started a podcast about oh, about two months ago i think now same i think we're in the same time as you start yours yeah yeah um, yeah call it the the folk and around podcast <laughs> it's a good and, name uh, Hi, so uh, um, I think we're on our ninth episode. I think this week and something like that. Okay, you kind of lose track, don't you? You, you really do. Together. You really do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I myself and a, a girl from England called Jodie Lucas, which we actually never met in person, but we we um, we talk over Skype, you know, on Zoom like this yeah. and stuff, and we record episode. We're, we're interviewing uh, people in the Irish country scene. Oh. Um, and I suppose for your listeners that don't know anything about the Irish country scene. It's a whole beast in itself. Like I'm still learning about it. Like I'm, I'm like this outsider, kind of poke my head around the corner, and say hello. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, like the whole industry in, of country music in Ireland is massive. And like before, obviously the, the the lockdowns and all, there was social dancing every single night in whatever hotel you were in your locality, and they're always selling out. And there's like Nate and Carter be selling out, picking you know opera houses and whatever. And it's massive, massive, uh, massive scene. So I'm kind of, you know, poking my head around the corners, trying to get, you know, put me, put my foot in the door. Um, so we're interviewing a lot of uh, actual country, country singers in the scene, like a lot of up and comers, I suppose you could say, uh, young people. And then we had Gary Gamble on there uh, last week or the week before, and he's kind of a, he does like Daniel O'Donnell impressions, and he has his own music. Right. You should see him. He comes out on the stage. He has a wig on. And he's like, oh, hey, Daniel. And he, comes out. <laughs> he does a whole concert as Daniel O'Donnell. And he does the accent and the in-between songs Jeez. talking to the audience. Like, hello, Mary. Hello, Josie. Hello. <laughs> you know, all this kind of, oh, it's just so funny. Oh. It's like pure Irish humor. And um, so we have, we have a good few guests. We had a fella from Nashville on there last week as well, Calvin Lee. So I don't know how we managed to get that, but we were chatting away to him and he's saying that. So I have a place to crash whenever I go over to Nashville. That'll so be handy <laughs> in the future. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's uh, yeah, the Folk and Ruin podcast. And, going, and I actually, uh, going back to the, the paranormal monster folks kind of stuff, I ask, did they have any ghost stories for the crack? Really? And, which no one expects because, you know, people are generally asked the same Interview, or same interview questions. Mm. Um, oh, when did you get your start in music? And la 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 la, was your family musical and all this kind of crap. Yeah. I come out, oh, do you have any ghost stories? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, like I had a, I like it, that Gary Gamble guy, he he told us, he went on for about half an hour telling us about this house that he lived in that was possessed. And he had like <laughs> right. men with no faces and black, black snakes and, <laughs> you know, wine bottles shooting across the room and all this kind of stuff. But like he wasn't, we didn't tell him that we we're going to be asking him this kind of question, yeah. or he had no reason to expect he would be asked this kind of question. So he was like, oh, "Geez, will I tell this now, or will, will people think I'm mad?" So it's like, <laughs> you know, I don't, I didn't think he was like lying to me or anything. You know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. it's, it made for a really, really interesting uh, conversation. I tell you that it's a great question though, because everybody does have some sort of paranormal story or encounter. You know, people love talking about them. I've often um. I've often been thinking to myself, how could I work Loftus Hall into an episode of concerts that made us? There's just no way you can. <laughs> but you just brought it up. So I'll have to ask yeah. you, any creepiness or anything inside there? I did have one time. Like I was there for nearly a year. I was in the house on my own a lot as well. Like, And sometimes at nighttime. And I, I was never phased by it. It didn't bother me. Like, um, If I was going to see something, I'd be like, yeah, bring it on. I want to see something, you know? Yeah. Because I'm kind of, I'm still on the fence, right? Kind of. I believe that the possibility is there that something, you know, there's spooks and whatever. Yeah. But 
not a full-on believer at the yeah. moment, you know. But um, I have great interest in it. It's very entertaining anyway, regardless. So, but there was one time I was alone in the house and I was emptying out uh, a bedroom on the first floor where like the public can't really go, like up the, you know, the great staircase. Yeah. Um, so I was like, the uh, room was just full of rubbish and dead pigeons and all this kind of crack. And we had to empty out the rooms because there's a, a film was coming to uh, shoot there called The Lodgers. Oh, cool. And we need to um, use the bedrooms as sets for different scenes and so on. Um, so I was there, you know, filling boxes of rubbish and taking them downstairs, empty them and come back, get another box of rubbish and, you know, yeah. do it again and again and again. So on one particular run, I had the the door, you know, the room was, uh, door the room was open, big heavy wooden door, uh, kind of propped open by its own weight. Let's say I didn't have, uh, I didn't have anything against it. Yeah. And I had, had the windows open um, to, you know, let out the dust and all. Mm. But it was like, it was middle of the day, nice sunny day, uh, no wind, you know, nice and calm. And I went out of the room with my box in my hand. I walked down the hall towards the top of the stairs and I took the first step. And then as soon as I hit, reached the second step from the top, the door from the room I had come from slammed oh, really, shit. really second hard. <laughs> like, as I say, it's like James Heffield in the Some Kind of Monster yeah. uh, documentary when he went out and he slammed the door <laughs> behind him. And, um, but in the, that in itself was weird. I went back to the room, you know, opened the door, made sure there was no one, you know, playing a trick on me. Because uh, yeah. I was like, damn, if this is a ghost, I want to, you know, want to experience it. Come on, show me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, on the next run, uh, I f- fill up another box, uh, carried, you know, carried down the hall. First step, second step. As soon as I reached that second step from the top, bang, again, the door slammed. Jeez, and that's weird. Yeah, man. exactly. So that's, that, it gets you thinking. And again, I went back, opened the door, no one there. The wind was not, you know, I, obviously your first thought was a big draft, pulled the door closed. Yeah. But it wasn't really windy. It wasn't, and it only happened that those two times the whole day. I was there the whole day, uh, going back and forth in the room and it happened twice. And as soon as I nearly stepped on the, you know, the second step from the top. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's very, it really makes you think. It would, but, it um, would. Yeah. Other than that, you hear noises all the time. It's you know, it's a big old house, so it's constantly creaking and yeah, all this kind of stuff. But other than that, that's the that's the one experience that I couldn't um, you know explain right away. Mm. I still can't really explain it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But for uh, for our listeners in America and Canada, I suppose they might not know what it is. It's uh, you'd probably be able to tell it better than I did. I would. Oh it's, yeah, I suppose it's a it's a big old house, big hall, big mansion in um uh hook near hook head in uh, wexford the southeast and it was uh built well i suppose it's nearly 600 and, well the time i was there it was 666th anniversary of the house <laughs> being built and it was a few years ago so it's about 670 years old or something like that and um there's no legend uh to do with the house where uh, a visitor uh came to the house during a, a storm is this about the 1700s uh, mid 1700s uh, a visitor came to the house and they were playing cards and the family that lived there had a young girl, a uh, young daughter called Lady Anne and Lady Anne and the stranger kind of became good friends and they were playing cards for, you know, a few nights in a row. Uh, but one night they were playing cards and this, the big uh, grandfather clock or whatever struck midnight and Lady Anne got her fright, dropped the cards under the table and down under the table to pick them up and noticed that the stranger's feet were cloven hoofs. Uh, like uh, goat goat hoofs, so um, the stranger was you know f- was found out. So he flew into a big uh, ball of fire and shot around the room, and then shot up through the roof 
and away never to be seen again and apparently you know the hole is still there in the card room yeah. uh, ceiling and uh, apparently they can never repair but you know yeah yeah I've heard <laughs> they're, that they're not going to repair it you're going to leave it there <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. exactly so like, that's the legend then L- Lady Anne sp- supposedly went a bit a uh, bit mad and then she was locked away in the tapestry room for years and years where she didn't really eat much or uh, drink much or anything like that and she ended up uh, dying and she died she was kind of for years she was sitting with her knees to her chin kind of hugging her knees to her chin and she died like that she can't they couldn't straighten her body out oh jeez and they had to bury her in like a big triangle kind of a coffin and they basically covered the grave with cement just in case she, like she wouldn't get out or no one would get in let's say and uh, but supposedly then for years after that Lady Anne was seen walking around the house mm. um, looking for someone or whatever it is but you know it could have there's some explanations for the legend it could be that she had a baby with this or you know her and the stranger could have had a liaison let's say and uh, a baby could have been the product of it and maybe the stranger was sent away uh, because you know having a child outside of wedlock is very taboo especially oh, back yeah. then yeah yeah and so she could have been like you know uh, grief stricken and they basically locked her away you know instead of um or she could have had like a mental illness or something like that and they, they'd rather lock her away and say that the devil appeared to the, in the house rather than say she had a mental illness because it was so so stigmatized back yeah, then. yeah it would have been a shame on the family back then yeah exactly exactly and sure there's many sightings and things over the years and people used to come up to me all the time saying oh i felt this and i felt that and all that kind of stuff and yeah there's it's lots lots of stories to do with it all right but i was good crack working there i got this like halloween time i got to scare the shit out of people i'd say and, that was uh, probably the most fun time of the year <laughs> to be was, there yeah. i was actually i was dressed up like say cory taylor from slipknot with the mask <laughs> on me and everything i was standing in this dark hallway and people would come by and i'd basically jump out and scream in their face <laughs> all this kind of stuff so it was it was it was great that was good good times all right yeah i've had a, a couple of conversations with friends over the years saying um you know the gimmicky sort of haunted house jump squ- jump scare thing kind of takes away from the actual creepiness yeah. and scariness of it what do you yeah. think well for well when i was dressing up like that that was like literally the halloween tour the halloween time uh, but like during the rest of the year it was just a normal tour of the house let's say yeah and then you could have your lock-ins and things at night time as well and this kind of stuff like paranormal investigation kind of thing mm. um but yeah halloween is it's just fun as hell like we had our tour guys dressed up in like ghoul characters and we go around like whispering in people's ears and you know it's, it's, it's that kind of thing but i suppose you see these kind of haunted house things um, being set up in like a business park in a, yeah, you know, in a in a warehouse and it hasn't got the same effect as doing it in an actual proper you know, haunted house 600 year old haunted house yeah. so it's it definitely adds to it I think true when you look at it that way alright yeah I once heard a, a story about uh, Jerry Ryan was wanting to do a, a show for people that don't know he was a very famous broadcaster in Ireland in the yeah. 80s and 90s but he was wanting to do a live show live radio show from Loftus Hall back in the early 90s and apparently the story goes he received a letter a week before from the Pope saying he was banned from going inside Loftus Hall <laughs> Jeez, I've actually never heard that one yeah <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> one alright yeah yeah we uh, we better get on to the concerts we could sit here talking mm. about Loftus Hall and I suppose you could yeah everything all night <laughs> so uh, your first earliest musical memory 
what would it be? Yeah. Um, this back probably when I was 10 or 11, I started really kind of getting into music mm. in a big way. Before that, I was just watching like the top 30 hits. Yeah. You know, on the, we used to have it on the, <laughs> on the RTE2. And I never really enjoyed the songs on it, mm. but I always loved the intro, which is actually years later, I found it was Corn. It was like um, Freak on a Leash when he goes, go. Doo, doo, doo. <laughs> and that was like the intro. And I was like, I always loved the intro. And it's like, why are they never playing this song? And where can I see this music video? <laughs> um, but then I discovered, obviously, I went to secondary school. And in first year, I started meeting new friends and they were telling me about like Metallica and, mm. and like, Slipknot and all these bands I'd never heard of before. Yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, probably one of my first memories in relation to that would be Say asking for asking Santi for Slipknot CD for Christmas, <laughs> um, but obviously I didn't know it was you know I knew it was me mum and me dad, but I knew where they were stashing it, stashing the presents. So I used to go in, uh, you know, a few weeks before Christmas, and go in like open up the CD and read the, the liner notes and you know smell it as well. It's like it had, a, it had a particular smell. I can almost remember the smell to this yeah, day. Yeah, actually, I remember the smell of CDs. Something yeah, I haven't thought yeah. about in a long time. Exactly. Exactly. And so this is like, obviously I was doing that for like weeks until Christmas Day, and then Christmas Day I had a had me Walkman and sat on the couch and so listening fucking slipping all day. So that's yeah, that's probably one of the earliest memories there with that. Jeez, what did your parents think of of having to buy a Slipknot CD? Oh sure, they didn't know it, but just a funny looking had a goat on the front. So that's that's strange, but they weren't really interested. Like they're not going to sit down and listen to it with me or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, you know, it's grand. Got well, away with it. It's a good, uh, it's a good intro into that sort of music, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd normally ask what was the first uh, singular album you got, but obviously you've answered yeah. that question. So yeah, yeah, the right. uh, the first gig you were ever at then? It was, <clears throat> I think, it was two thousand and four. I went to RDS to see Metallica. Right. Um, I just gotten into like saying anger. Like mm. you were mentioned on your first episode, how you you like you like that album. As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like a lot of people give it a lot of hard time, but I, I still I love it. Like I know it has its flaws. Mm. Like, you know, totally understand. Yeah, <laughs> you have your your tin can snares and all that kind of crap. <laughs> um, but for me, that was like frantic and say anger were like the first Metallica riffs that I I heard, and I was just yeah. hooked. It's like wow, this is raw, powerful, angry. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so I went to see, yeah, me and my friend at the time, he was a drummer and I was a guitarist and we were just jamming out Metallica all the time. And we decided to go see him in RDS mm. that summer. It was 2004, I think it was. And they had uh, had Slipknot supporting them as well. Oh, man. So I was delighted. <laughs> and they had Lost Profits there as well supporting, but uh, less said about that yeah, there, I suppose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, went to RDS, saw Slipknot, delighted. They had a volume three had just come out, I think it was. So they had like Pulse of the Maggots and all this kind of crack. Yeah. And that was great crack. And then saw Metallica live for the first time, just blew my mind. Um, and they ended it with Whiskey in the Jar, I think. Or was it Whiskey in the Jar and then Seek and Destroy, something like mm. that. And yeah, it was absolutely monumentous. I'd never been to a gig at that size. I'd never been to a field that had like 10,000 people in it or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it blow your mind. Like, And then I've seen them three times since. So oh, <laughs> man. It, it gave me the bug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Saint Anger was actually my introduction to them as well. And uh, yeah. I wouldn't have really heard much of their stuff before. I was like the perfect age when that album came out and I really yeah. got into it. Like you, I loved 
sent anger and frantic. Me and a few yeah. friends formed a band. I remember being in my uh, bedroom room with uh, drums, guitars. We had a one of them had a Marshall half stack that we set up in my bedroom. I don't know how we fit everything <laughs> in, but I actually pity my parents now looking back because we used to be trying our best to like play them two songs just like them. I'm sure we sounded <laughs> nothing like them. But it was just so much yeah. fun, you know, and screaming out the lyrics. And it's uh, it's kind of funny that they never really play any songs from that nowadays when they tour. No. You know, everyone just hates it, it so yeah. much. But I actually think it was a great introduction to Metallica because then obviously yeah. I went back and got into their older stuff. And I was like, ah, well, this is fucking great. It's a lot different. Yeah. And even today, I think recently enough, I just stuck on say Anger and took out my guitar tuned it down to drop C and I just jammed away with the whole album. It's like, yeah. you know, the wrists are so easy. They're like zero, three, five, yeah. you know, tap it out. Let's say they're all based around that, but you can pretty much like figure it out as you go. And it's just, you know, it's raw, yeah. it's heavy and it's, you really, it, you, know, you know, it gets you pumped up <laughs> just yeah, to jam exactly, along with it. Exactly. It's so easy to jam along with it as well. Yeah. It's a great, uh, it's a great one if you're just getting into playing guitar, because as you said, they're yeah. so easy to play. Yeah, like some kind of monster. Do, 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 do. Yeah, <laughs> it's so yeah. simple, but it's so heavy. And, you know, when it, when you get sounding right, it's just, you feel like you're James Heffield. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, feel like standing really in front impressive. Of your, your full stack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so a lot of people give a hard time, but, you know, I think people are, I think in this day and age, people are actually kind of softening up to it a bit. Mm. They're kind of coming around. They're thinking, yeah, I hear that snare. It sounds awful, but I think it works for the sound yeah <laughs> you know yeah I mean? exactly exactly yeah so i think people ha- have dismissed it maybe you might should go back and have another listen and you might you might appreciate it a bit more yeah yeah <laughs> exactly exactly i'll uh i'm dying to ask you about the other two times they've uh that you've seen them but i think i'll wait till the end after hearing more about your oh, concerts yeah. so uh yeah. there was actually it was obviously packed out and everything and in the middle of summer stuff yeah. like that yes yeah. June or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's uh, a, it must have been a great first concert. My first concert was the Chili Peppers, which was good. But oh man, I would love to have went to see Metallica as my first. Oh yeah, absolutely. I actually saw the Chili Peppers there. It's a two or three years ago. I think they were playing the the Tree Arena, and they had cancelled from the year before, and they had to postpone it a year or something. So I went to the went to it and I saw it. it was, geez, they were they were very good anyway. Yeah, <laughs> on top form. Yeah, they're usually good as well. It was, I think it was actually around 2004, 2005 when I seen them now in uh, Punchestown. Or, yeah. You know, the, you know the park by the Aris on Outdrum? Yeah, yeah. There. Okay. I can't do, think do, of the name of it. Do they call it that anymore? I can't, I can't Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably some uh, insurance company name or some shit. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you had to pick a song then that sticks out in your mind that's linked to the memory of your first concert, what would it be? Ah, it's definitely frantic, I suppose. <laughs> it has to be. It has to be. The opening on yeah, the album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy, but I, I, first time I heard it, it's like, dee, 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 dee. Just, wow, that's, that's the coolest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was actually, that song actually want, made me want to learn how to play drums as well. Yeah. You know, the, it's just the double, I think it's, he has a double bass drum on it, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah then just, he let off the snare off off the you know the actual beads. He let the beads yeah. off, and then he bang, dunk, dunk, dunk. So uh, we'll move on to the last concert you're at. So yeah, and it's actually Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's funny how that linked up. Yeah, yeah. Slain. I think you said you went to it as well. I did. Um, I did. Yeah. So it was what, 2019? Summer 2019? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was, yeah, it had Ghost on before him, which I was mad to see as well. I'd gotten into Ghost a lot um, the months leading up to it. And um, yeah, a few other bands like Fan Club and stuff, they're class. They're an Irish band, kind of, I suppose, indie rock, I guess, but they're, they have some really good stuff as well. And I honestly can't remember who else was playing with them. Can you? <laughs> There's. It's like God, it's a band called like Godzilla or something like that. Go, Gojira or something, is it? Something like it's that. It's not Gojira, no. They're savage. I did see them before. They're one of my favorite bands. But no, it wasn't Godzilla, actually. It was some other band. I can't, can't remember yeah. at all. But they're, you couldn't really hear them properly as well. That's I remember that. We arrived and oh. I think we missed the first one. And then the second one we're playing. But like we were up by the, uh, by the food court and everything. And we just couldn't really make out anything. It just sounded like noise and fuzz. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and even when Metallica came on, the you could hear the, like the slap echo mm. kind of bouncing off. It's hard to describe. It's just bouncing off one side and coming back, so you kind of hear it doubled up a small bit. Yeah, um, but that's just kind of the nature of outdoor sound. Unfortunately, it's just you're open to the elements, so sound just kind of dissipates. It's yeah. gone. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you mentioned Ghost. I actually I hadn't heard a Ghost before that concert, and oh, I yeah. instantly fell in love with. And I yeah. ended up going to see them then when they played Ireland in, I think it was October, November or something, 2019 ah, as well. But they were playing with that. I, I missed that one. That gig. They were uh, just nurse support or something. Jeez, I can't oh, remember who was supporting yeah. me. <laughs> I feel like yeah. it must be old age or something. I start to forget the support acts and only remember the main yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're class. They're like, um, they're not necessarily metal, but they're kind of rock, hard rock. With kind of operatic elements. Um, yeah, and it's like themes from the 80s almost as well in some of their yeah. songs. Exactly. And they're all dressed up as um, nameless ghouls. And then yeah. the lead singers, uh, Papa Emeritus. Yeah. Emeritus, I can't pronounce it. But yeah, he's like dressed up as like a ghostly monk or a ghostly pope. Yeah. And he kind of changes every few years to different costumes and things like that. It's it's a really good gimmick. Like it's, it, it actually is. Really well it actually him. is. And uh, <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's only one guy, like, and he keeps changing the yeah the backing or the supporters. Right. It's uh yeah the musicians are session musicians, and yeah. he's the he's the main leader. He writes the songs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I actually heard a story that Dave oh uh oh it's on tip of my tongue, Tobias Forge. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. He's from Finland or no? He's from Scandinavia or somewhere. Isn't it? Yeah, it's one of them Scandinavian countries. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember hearing a story that Dave Grohl actually went on tour with him as the drummer and nobody knew. I heard that. Yeah, yeah. I heard that as well. He, he, I don't know if he went on the whole tour. He'd be at least probably got up for a show or something. Yeah, say. yeah. That'd be like him, all right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That would have been cool. Yeah. Imagine though, being at that gig and not knowing that you had seen Dave Grohl play drums for a whole gig. Yeah. <laughs> that would, yeah, that'd be cool, all right? Um, yeah, but... You might you might recognize it. He hits a goddamn hard. <laughs> you might actually recognize it. True, him. actually, yeah. He's one yeah, of those yeah. kind of recognizable drummers. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It yeah. probably his style would stick out to you. But uh, mm-hmm. what did you think of Metallica on today then? Yeah, they were on farm. Like they were blasted it out. But they played a few. Like played spit out the bone, and you know from the new album, like, probably one of the best yeah. songs off that new album. And um, yeah, they played frantic. I think you said as well. Like they're. Yeah, surprising to hear something offset anger being played. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Didn't 
didn't Robin um, Kirkley came out and played like Wild Rover or something, didn't they? Yeah, the yeah, they did. <laughs> which was weird to hear them play. <laughs> weird, but yeah, it was a good bit of crack. But um, yeah, yeah, the gig themselves, I, I loved every second of it, and they didn't let me. It's four times seeing them, and I still didn't get sick of it. Like so, <laughs> that'll tell you something, I suppose. Four times, Jesus, that was four, actually my time. first time seeing them. Yeah. Yeah. And I've liked them all them years. That was actually the first opportunity I got, I got to go see him. And I was delighted then that it was in Slane because, as you know yourself, Slane is like the ultimate concert yeah. venue in Ireland. Yeah. That was my first Especially time. Especially for Slane, rock music. Just, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a brilliant place. Actually, have a bit of Slane whiskey here as well. Right job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they make it up at the castle. Oh, it's lovely stuff. <laughs> I'll have to try that. Do, do. Um, but yeah, I, I was on a, a bus with some lads and some of the lads came back after the gig and like, oh, geez, that was cat. Didn't like it all together. Like, we had the same gig as I was. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I remember walking uh, out the gates and the security were on a megaphone announcing that ACDC were playing the, the following the following summer at Slane. But of course, it hadn't been announced or anything. And I think at that stage, ACDC yet. were on hiatus. Mm. Uh, they had retired or something. Four Rose started singing for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'd but, be uh, interesting to see. I say, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Yeah, yeah. I don't know though. He's uh, he doesn't really have the same. Like he was never a really skillful singer. Now he always had that real screechy voice. But right. you don't know. It might fit in well for ACDC. Yeah, I think I saw one or two clips of him doing it, singing with him, and it seemed to work okay anyway. So yeah, it'd be yeah. cool to see it in real life. God knows yeah. if we ever get that chance again. <laughs> I know. Jeez, I have uh, tickets to go see Guns N' Roses in May. It was supposed to be May yeah. of last year and I got put forward to May this year, but it's obviously not going to happen again. Yeah. Which is yeah. a pity. But um, there's one thing oh, about the Metallica. Can I ask you, we're on the topic of Guns N' Roses. Sorry. We're on topic. What did you think of um, the conspiracy? What's call it? The Chinese democracy. What did you think of it? Uh, it was It was all right. It wasn't, yeah. I wouldn't be a lover of it. It was okay, but obviously it wasn't as uh, as good as their older stuff. What about yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually, I enjoyed it. Like there's, yeah, it's not the same as Appetite for Destruction, like by any mm. means at all, of course, but it is for what it is. I really enjoyed it. Like it's some real catchy shit in it. And there's a lot of like electronic um, synths and things in it, but uh, it kind of works. If you don't. Yeah. I suppose if you if you're not scrutinizing it too much, then you might enjoy it because that's yeah. the way I kind of approach everything. Yeah, you know, yeah. Keep expectation, manage expectations. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But uh, back to Metallica, I remember thinking I was kind of shocked when he when they came out on stage, and I thought, has James Hetfield like aged about twenty years over the last year? He yeah. looked really old, didn't Smith, he? Actually, yeah. Didn't he have kind of? I can't remember now. Did he have longer hair and kind of longer? Yeah, bare moustaches and stuff. Yeah. yeah, he did look. And he's uh, his hair was like maybe. almost white and kind of balding, and it was like mm. he looked about 70, 75. Yeah, I think he was um, having issues again with the whole yeah addictions and stuff. I think he went into rehab. Not yeah, it wasn't. After, it was only remember. a couple of months later, wasn't it? He went Something in like that. Yeah, so he wasn't probably at the best of his. Uh, you know, at the peak of his health, I suppose you could say. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, he still, he, a good show at the same time. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say that. I was just going to say it. But uh, if you had to pick one song, then that's linked to this memory for this gig, okay. which would it be? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'd say 
upon a square hammer by Ghost. Ah, good choice. Remember, we, we go for a different one than Metallica because I remember <laughs> just absolutely, like I, I really listened to the band a few months coming up to it and I just fell in love with them. So I was here absolutely singing my heart out, <laughs> you know, with the crowd and we're all loving it. It's just, you know, that, that synchronicity, that feeling that, you know, yeah. obviously we're missing it now. But everyone's singing together and yeah, it's like just that camaraderie. Buzz. Yeah. Everyone's into it. Everyone is like one. You yeah, know? yeah, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, that was that was a good one. Uh, Square Hammer. That's a that's good. If you, if you haven't heard Ghost before, that's a good one to start on. It is. It's a very good intro to. Him. I love that about concert style. I was just saying to another guest the other night. Um, it's like in its simplest form, concerts. Everybody is friends. You know, you're all one big family. Where and there's not many other areas of life that you'd be like that with people with strangers you know you're going oh, to get exactly. on with everybody at a concert and your family for that hour and a half two hours that it's on yeah exactly and i actually i talked about this on my other, the other podcast um during like social dancing if you ever go if you ever was at a social dancing event the country ones um think of like strictly ballroom where they're coming in and they're all like dolled up and they're doing the steps and they're spinning around <laughs> and they're really really serious about it um, and if you get in the way, you will get smacked, knocked the fuck out <laughs> almost. And I, I said, I, I joke that it's, it's almost, I must feel safer in the middle of a mosh pit than I would on a social dancing floor. Because, <laughs> oh. you know, at least if you go down, you know, people will pick you back up and say, hey, we're getting on and clap in the back yeah. and make sure you're okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, and yeah. Like, you wouldn't have that anywhere else, I don't think. Like if you go to any other gig or something, people just kind of keep to themselves. I've been to like independence festival and stuff and it's just a different vibe. Whereas you go to a metal festival yeah. or, you know, a metal gig, everyone's there. We're there for the same reason. We all, we can, you know, all have the same interests. We are all, we can talk to anyone. You know, if something, if you go down, people pick you up. If, you know, it's just a, yeah, big happy family. And I'm always telling people, because, you know, these metal people, they might look scary, but they're actually fluffy bunnies inside. They're all nice people. <laughs> Some of the nice yeah, people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Very true. And to an outsider, like a metal gig is very intimidating. And I've actually heard yeah. people saying, geez, I wouldn't go to one of them because you all kick the shit out of each other. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's not that at all. You're just jumping around, no. getting into the music. And as you said, if you go down, a perfect stranger will pick you up and make sure you're yeah. all right. Exactly, you know, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just there's nothing like it. It's just uh, it's camaraderie. Just like you're all one in this field shouting <laughs> and roaring. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Yeah. I was. Uh, did you ever go to the gigs that were on in the Dunwara? I was. 20 I was years a few times, yeah. Yeah. I never got the chance to actually play one, but I got one. <laughs> I was there a lot, lot, many times. Yeah. That was my introduction to mosh pits. I remember everyone used to be trying to pull the chairs, the like row of chairs off the floor and all they were like bolted yeah. to the chair or bolted to the floors, but everyone was trying to pull them off and going nuts all together. But again, like that, like we were killing each other, but we were best friends. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I do remember I have one um, memory from that. Um, we're doing a wall of death where basically you line up at either side and you run to each other and you smack bang each other in the center <laughs> and I was lined up with this guy and there's only like maybe 10 of us on either side so it wasn't a huge thing or anything like that but mm -hmm. um, I was on the far side uh, across from this guy and we're like looking at each other it's like okay we're going for this now right we're going for this and we start <laughs> running at each other and this fecker he was a tall fecker and he was you know 
kind of heavy. So he, mm. he was, you know, I was in for a pounding anyway. Or, yeah. And then, but this fella, last minute he jumped and my head caught the side of his hip and I nearly oh. knocked out. <laughs> I don't know why he would jump at the last minute, but anyway, he did. And I, Jesus, I nearly got floored. But it was all good. We had a good laugh after, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've often thought I'd love to find some of the bands that played them gigs and see what they're up to now. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I can't really remember one. I can probably remember one or two of them, but that's about it. Yeah, there's um, Six Feet or Above Ground was a band that played a few times. A fella, uh, friends of mine that were from Kilkenny. Mm. And um, I think there's a few, like Rune, Ray. Age of Rune or something. It was another big band that played there, something like that. Rune or Yeah. I could be completely off base with that one. But yeah, there were there were some really, really good bands playing there. There was. And, um, there was. We had the kind of equivalent. I'm more New Ross. I'm kind of based there. Ah. Um, so we had the kind of equivalent uh in New Ross at St. Michael's Theatre. So right. a lot of metal gigs. Not I played there a good few times playing Trivium and Arch you know, Arch Enemy and Lamb of God and all that kind of stuff up on the, the theatre stage. So I did a yeah. good few gigs there. Um, but never got actually, never got to play in the Dunmore for some reason. But you know, oh. went to loads of gigs there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it was great. Crowd. Oh, those are the days. Like, there's nothing like that anymore, is there? Like, there's no. There's actually not enough for teenagers even now. before the pandemic. I obviously, but like, you yeah, know. no, I'm sure the Dunmore I think is going to be knocked down in Ireland, or knocked down in oh, Ireland, knocked down yeah. back in Wexford. I don't think mm. it's going to be around much longer. And sure, there hasn't been a gig on there. I'd say in about 10, 15 years. You know. Oh, really? Yeah, it's such a shame. It's such a good community, like you, you know, going out with your friends on a Saturday night or whoever it was, and just there's not like that anymore. Except phone, fucking discos or whatever. That was never yeah. my scene. No, me neither. <laughs> no name discos and all that. <laughs> I'd much rather go see a local metal band. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. I had no interest in uh, in going to teenage discos and all like that. But no. I was at every gig every Saturday night down there. You know. Yeah, yeah. But not I think like... even I actually found it teenage disco is intimidating because the crowd that went there seemed like they were just there to cause trouble but then mm. you'd, the crowd that went to the gigs were completely different you know yeah we're all yeah just oh, how are you getting on good to see you again <laughs> you know it's all yeah. happy family and yeah do you, exactly do you actually remember there was one time I we were waiting for the Dunware gig or something that night but we heard tell there was a rumour going around town that Dragon Force was playing in the Dunware do you remember this rumour at all no no, I don't actually. No. So I remember going into a, like BPM or, you know, those, the record shops where you buy your tickets and they're thinking, is Dragon Force playing yeah. a Dunwira? And we're all like, you know, asking around and they were like, oh, I, I think so. I'm not too sure though. <laughs> they're like having us on yeah. over. That was like the big, you know, the big rumor of the day at the time. I still remember it to this day. <laughs> but it didn't happen, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think now if it had, if I definitely would have remembered that one. Yeah, you would have. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> But uh, we'll move on to your worst concert experience. So, all right, okay. Well, I have, I suppose I have kind of two, but it's not, they're not because the bands were bad or performance is bad or sound was bad or anything like that. It was actually because I, I ended up missing the bands uh, for two different reasons. Right. So, there's one, one particular gig, I went up to see a band called Grand Mages. I think they're from uh, Sweden. I can't, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're kind of a hard rock kind of Viking rock kind of a band right and I was going up to visit my friend who lived up there called Owen and unfortunately he's since passed away in a motorcycle accident but um, I went up to visit him and he as soon as I had it was in the door he had lined up all these shots of vodka on the table so here we are <laughs> slamming these shots of vodka like 
must have had like five or six each. And I wasn't a vodka drinker at the time. You know, I wouldn't be able to put it away. Still wouldn't be able to put that much away. So we yeah. were buzzing. Absolutely buzzing. So we went to the gig. I think was I think it was Faber McGee's. I can't remember. I was very drunk. But um, we got there anyway. And the support bands came on. And so me and him were up at the front kind of, going mad for the support bands and headbanging and then, you know, drinking pints and stuff. So I ended up feeling very, very sick not too not too long after that, jumping around the place oh. on, you know, it's vodka and vodka and whatever. Mm. Um, so I ended up very sick and I went to the, the bathroom anyway. I ended up passing out in the bathroom. Oh, shit. And <laughs> I, woke, I woke up, uh, like when I went into the bathroom, it was the start of the night, there was no one there. And I woke up then, there was like, I came out of the cube, and there's there like five or six people waiting around. There's the guy at the sink with the lollipops and the perfume, you know, the, the aftershave yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And they're all yeah. looking at me. It's like, oh, shit, what happened, lads? <laughs> so <laughs> I think there was only two cubicles in the place as well. So I was sitting there for like, must have been two hours, I'd say. I was passed out. Like, I'm surprised no one, like, you know, got in at me or something like that. Yeah. And th this, isn't, this, is, this is the only time that ever happened to me as well. So I'm kind of wary about telling it. But anyway, um, shit happens. So I got out anyway and, you know, I kind of come to my senses a bit and I found my friend and, hey, Owen, oh, jeez, I'm ready to see Grand Majors. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better. And he goes, they're just finished. And I was, oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> I was <laughs> devastated. Um, so then he had a, the, the trouble of getting me home. <laughs> that was fun. But uh, the second, another gig, similar kind of, well, not similar situation, but went up to Dublin to see Arch Enemy, which is another uh, metal band from Scandinavia and um, so I ended up going to a friend's house we were sitting down having a few cans having the chat whatever me thinking that he he was in Dublin but me thinking he wasn't too far from Dublin we ended up it was like a 40 minute bus drive to get to the, the centre of Dublin <laughs> I think we were going to uh, the academy academy I think it was I mm. can't remember now but um, uh, we ended up, yeah, we got there, we spent 40 minutes on the bus. By the time we got there, we were bursting for a piss from all the cans. So we had to go find a McDonald's to go to the bathroom. And sure, we're, so, well, we're in McDonald's, we might as well get a burger. Mm. And uh, so we got to the gig and I came in and I actually, I recognized one of my good mates from a, a metal band that I played in years ago. And uh, I said, hey man, how are you getting on? I can't wait to see Arch Enemy. And he goes, oh, they're just finished. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> God, my heart was through the freaking floor again. Um, but apparently they were doing some sort of a circus themed club thing that night. So they mm. pushed the, the gig forward like oh. an hour or two. And Arch Enemy were the band I was going to see, but I thought they were headlining. Mm. So I thought we'd get there in time, but they weren't. There was like Creator was the headliner. And I wasn't a huge fan of them, right? And so we got there and we're like sipping our points, listening to Creator. And they're <laughs> good and all, but they're no Arch Enemy. So we <laughs> ended up just going off. But I did actually meet half the band that night. Really? Went, down, went back to the academy and went downstairs. We're like having like a like a metal disco almost and playing corn and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, some of the members were sitting there having the chats with people. And so I just went up and say, hey man, I was <laughs> devastated I miss your gig. And like, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. But that was kind of cool. I ended up getting to meet half the band. That was cool at least. If I didn't yeah, and I'm, still haven't that, seen I'm, them, sure. I'm sure that's an opener, a conversation opener to rarely hear. Yeah. I'm sorry I missed your gig. You know, I'm sure everyone <laughs> yeah, else yeah. was like, oh, great gig, great gig. But uh, yeah. here you come. Sorry, I missed your gig. That's it. That's but you definitely it. had yeah, their attention, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> so it was good. It was good crack in the end after after we had a good night, um, even though I missed the two bands of, you know, <laughs> mad, mad to see. Yeah. But ah, such is life, I suppose. That's always my yeah. worst fear. 
to miss a band, yeah. like be going there, especially if it's in Dublin, because, you know, the journey up is long. But if you get in there or I'm always afraid of something going wrong and you're not making it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or I know a fella who uh, he lives in Waterford and he got tickets to I can't even I couldn't tell you who it was. Now it's uh, some rapper or pop star got tickets yeah. to go up and see them and bought them off done deal. Now, oh, for no, people so that don't know, Dundeal is like, yeah, Dundeal is like the Irish Craigslist, I suppose. But mm-hmm. uh, he bought the tickets six months before, went up with his friends, got to the security guard at the main door. He scanned the ticket and he was like, yeah, you've been had. You're not getting in here. No. These are fake. Yeah. Um, oh, that's awful. I'm, uh, I'm always very wary buying tickets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I don't get them from the legitimate source, I probably I just leave it. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. But unless yeah. there's obviously a band you really, really need to see, but yeah, shit even at that, I don't know if I'd uh, if I'd take the risk. Mm, it's a risk, alright. But uh, I do. I, I, there's one actually other time I went to see Rodrigo and Gabriela. Do you remember those? They're kind of the Mexican, oh, I kind of, do. Like flamenco players. Yeah, I yeah, went to see them. In, I used to love them. Kenny. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fantastic. Like. Um, but I went to see McIlkenny and we're up like pretty much front row um, hmm. and they were you know, during like quite acoustic basically just them and acoustic guitar so it's not a hugely loud gig but I was like two people from the front and there's a couple standing behind us and they were loudly shouting at each you know like, having a huge <laughs> conversation and right. we're like lads there's this like quite delicate acoustic music being played five feet from your heads and you're here going ah Mary how are you getting on whatever the fuck oh. you're talking about and you, know, you know you end up going around shush shush will you for mm. fuck's sake and you nearly started a fight on me and stuff but I know a friend was there and we kind of calmed the situation now it didn't lead to fisticuffs thankfully but it was yeah. such a weird like it just ruined the vibe straight away I was like fuck's sake I was pissed yeah. off and then this fella's trying to start a fight on me <laughs> it's like you're hearing this beautiful music in front of you and then you want to start a fight. You're like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I even remember exactly. Gabriella looking up at one point. She looked up and said, what, what, what's the commotion going on? Like, I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Don't mind us. <laughs> I can't stand that though, especially like indoor, indoor gigs or anything like that. When people start yeah. just fucking talking loudly or shouting and roaring and stuff like that, you know, mm. it's, you're not there for that. Like, and you're going to yeah. ruin everyone else's evening. You know, yeah, yeah. This actually reminds me of another time. I have tons of stories for you. I could go off on tangents for hours. Um, I went to see a band called the Hudson Taylor. They're a band from uh, Dublin, kind mm. of a, I suppose, indie rock pop kind of a band. But I really like them as well. I went to see them in Kilkenny, and there was a part in this of the show where they kind of got everyone to quieten down. They wanted everyone just to, you know, collectively, everyone will have a hush, and then they'll put away their microphones and they try to play a song acoustically on the right. stage, just you know, for shits and giggles. Um, but from the side door, this one was coming in from the smoking area and she obviously hadn't got the memo. And she came in and everyone was silent, you know, dead silent. And she came in and said, what the fuck is going on in here? <laughs> and everyone was like looking around, would you shut up? <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a good laugh. Oh. <laughs> They'd be a good band to see as well, though, I'd say, are they? I'd say they're good fun. Yeah. Oh, they're brilliant. Really good fun. And they actually brought out... Um, they had their fiddle player and they started playing like ACDC back to black, back in, back in black <laughs> at one point as well, which is um, unexpected from them. But yeah, you wouldn't so expect that. It was really good. <laughs> yeah, they're a very good band. Like, um, yeah, I think that's most of my <laughs> stories in regards to <laughs> bad gigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeez. Um, 
So your uh, your best concert experience then? Um, yeah, there's lots. I suppose a few stories again. Okay, okay. it's hard to pick one, <laughs> <laughs> but the, probably the best was seeing Metallica. I think it was 2009. I can't remember exactly. I'm terrible with years. But there was the year that they played. It was the Download Festival. Do you remember this? They did the Download Festival in, in Ireland. Yeah. It was Metallica on Friday and Guns N' Roses on the Sunday night or something like that. So there was nothing on the Saturday and there was no camping or anything. So it wasn't really, you know, the Download Festival. Yeah. But anyway, there was, good, there was good bands on. Like I went to see Stone Sour and, and um, Avenged Sevenfold were playing and Alice in Chains and all this kind of stuff. And it was class. And then... Metallica came on, but it was like the 25th anniversary of Master Puppets. Right. And I was, um, this was a gig that we had actually queued for nine hours to get into. We got there like half four in the morning because I went up on a bus with a few mates and someone had the idea of getting there really early. So we get into the pit, which it ended up savage, but we were queuing (laughs) for nine hours. And oh. we're just like in the heat as well, like the June heat and we're all like, you know, sitting against the barricades, absolutely dying. And I remember this one guy walking around in full leather jacket and full wool hat and all this kind of stuff. I was like, how <laughs> is he the fuck? not dead? Um, yeah. But eventually we got, we, I was actually one of the first 50 to get our, our bracelets to get into the pit. So we we're oh. right up at the, right up at the bar, uh, you know, the, the barricade. Um, yeah. So when Metallica came out, I could literally you know, throw something at James Hetfield and, and he hit, you know, I wouldn't obviously throw it, you know, but he was like right there. Let's say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was right there. And then they proceeded to, they announced, there's a special occasion, you know, this is the 25th year, 25th anniversary of Master Puppets and we're going to play, play it for you, start to finish. And I nearly died. Oh, I was so happy. <laughs> Started off, you know, oh, I was like nearly crying. It was, I was so happy. And I, mm. um, so they played the whole album you know, start to finish, absolutely loved it. And at the end of the gig, they actually they were throwing out picks and I was like, oh, trying to grab them. And you know, when you, if you ever nearly grab them, they kind of, you touch your finger and it bounce away and then someone behind you gets yeah. you, get it for you know, get it instead of you. But um, for some reason, I felt it, I put my hand up to grab it. I felt it touch off my hand and I thought, I kind of sensed that it dropped straight down. I was like, okay, I can't really look now because I'm just packed in like, you know, sardine in a tin. So when people yeah. start clearing, I'll hold my space. I'm not moving from this spot. And then as soon as people start clearing, I kind of step back and lo and behold, right between my feet was the white pickup or white pick with the Master of Puppets album cover on it and, you know, oh. 25th year anniversary written onto it. So I have that, which is, I, have, I haven't got it to show you, but it's there somewhere. Um, <laughs> so that was unreal experience. Um, just to, yeah, just to be that close to the band and to hear Master Puppets from start to finish, it was just yeah. monumental. Yeah, were you, were you at that one or oh no, Slain was your first one, wasn't it? Sorry, yeah, 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 my first so, one, my first one. I would love to yeah. have been at that. That sounds like it's actually the one of the best concert experiences. Now I've heard, I've heard quite a few on the podcast, but it'd be uh it'd be definitely up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other one doesn't really pale in comparison. There was this one week, I think it was 2017, I think, where three bands were coming to Dublin all in the space of one week. It was Gojira, um, Alter Bridge and Devon Townsend, which are some of my absolute favorite bands. They're all playing like one was on a Monday, one was on a Wednesday, one was on a Thursday or something like that. But I was working at the time as well in New Ross. So 
I didn't want to take the di- days off. I didn't don't think I had any holidays left. So I basically drove up each night and drove back down. And you know, it was it was tough going, but it was a week of gigs that I remember for the rest of my life. And it was absolutely Jesus. like And you you go- made it to work every day and everything. I made it to work. And there was one of the nights where I wasn't driving. It was a friend of mine driving, a neighbor of mine. Uh so he drove up and uh, I had plenty of drink, <laughs> so <laughs> I went to work the next day very hungover. Head was on the desk for a lot of the day, but you know, oh, got Jesus. through it. <laughs> got yeah. through it, and then went to Devon Townsend the next night or something like that. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> I don't know how I managed to do it, but I did it anyway. It's one of so them whatever, things, was, though, when you're a when you are a music person, like you'd put yourself, you'd put your body through yeah, that to actually have that experience. Exactly. Exactly. And. As I said, like it's not like being in front of a metal band or mm. you know rock band and everyone's together, and it's like yeah, it's just like addictive. You do it and you can to get there and yeah, be part of it. Exactly, exactly. If you had to pick a song, then that would be linked to this memory. I'd say go for Devon Townsend song, right? Uh, Kingdom. Uh, are you familiar with Devon Townsend at all? Not really. No, no. He's um, this Canadian guy. He's like this musical genius in every sense of the word. I'm not, I'm not throwing that around willy nilly either. Right. He's um he, he was in this band called Strapping Young Lad years ago. You've probably seen a picture. He had like a skullet where he had like dreadlocks and he was bald on top. Um, right. But for, that was a really heavy band. But then in recent years, he had his own projects where he's doing his own the Devon Townsend project and this kind of stuff. Where it's like it's like um it's metal as hell but it's like a, almost operatic singing and just like oh. really um intricate arrangements and there's a lot of um choirs and it's just huge sounds big wall of sound and Jeez. it's just blow your head off it's so good um so kingdom from uh, uh i can't have to there's two versions out there so i'll have to show you the right <laughs> one because there's an older version that's not so good then he redid it a few years later and it's like top notch right. so it's <laughs> <laughs> But that'd be definitely a good song to to put on there. Yeah. And how did you uh how'd you get into him? Were you a fan of uh Strapping Young Lad? And yeah. then obviously yeah. just led Strapping to Strapping Young Lad back back in the day. I think I heard the song Love question mark for the first time. And the video was like uh you know the Evil Dead. Um, yeah. the video they were the band was playing in a cabin, like the Evil Dead cabin, and it was like a VHS style picture and it was like flo- you know flying around them and all this kind of stuff and yeah the song was heavy as fuck so it's like yeah i'm onto this guy he's he's cool and he like screams and he sings he, oh he's just if you if you hear the song kingdom you will be blown away i can't count the amount of times i've been at a house party and the only way television be on the car and youtube be playing the music videos and stuff and i and there'd be like metalheads in or be metalheads in the room, but to be people that wouldn't be metalheads at all. And I go, Has have you ever heard this singer, Devin Townsend? I stick the video on, it's, it's him singing Kingdom live for like EMG TV or something like that. And he sings like really operatic, like blow your head, he blow your mind. And I just, everyone that I showed it to was just like, wow, he is insane. Like he's like one of the best performers. <laughs> and he's like the ultimate showman as well. If you ever... If, even if you watch that video, you can tell this guy is entertaining as hell. He knows what he's doing. He's been at it for decades. And he actually sang for Steve Vai back in the day. You remember Steve Vai? He's a guitarist. Yeah. Um, And he had uh, Devin Townsend was his singer for like an album or two albums or something like that. Um, so he has a, a rich history in music and metal and stuff as well. So it definitely, if, if you heard, listeners have never heard of this guy, I would recommend him wholeheartedly he's like one of my hugest you know musical influences 
and he actually released a country album one time as well. So <laughs> really, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah. He's a very ah. um, diverse guy. Very diverse guy. He's all sorts of different Sounds types of music. Kind of, yeah, definitely. Look him up because yeah. you'll you'll get lost in his music. It's it's unreal, unreal. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to add him to the list. That's the thing about this show. Every every episode, I have a I have more singers and bands added to the list that I haven't heard of yeah. or that I need to look more into. So yeah. uh, I'm going to I'll have to take like about six months off work just to go on a <laughs> deep dive of music. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So um, this is one I throw out now and again. It's uh, okay. some people find it a very hard question what's your favorite concert experience that has nothing to do with the band or the performer you've seen um hmm that's a good question i suppose there was this, there was a band playing but this, the thing that happened is kind of related i guess but we went to see at the download festival where metallica were playing um they had a, another tent a second stage had like a big it's like a circus tent off to the side yeah and there was other bands playing in there, and Stone Sour were playing in there. It was like uh, you know Corey Taylor's other band, yeah, apart from yeah. Slipknot. And Charlie's a huge fan of him, of course. And we went to see him, me and my friend, and we were stood at the, basically the entrance to the tent, and that's as far as we could go because it was so packed. And there probably <laughs> right. you know two two thousand people maybe in the tent. I, I got, you know, I'm horrible yeah. at that. I'm like Dougal. I'd say there's about a million of them out there. <laughs> I don't know, but. Uh, <laughs> um, so we couldn't get in. Like we were just kind of watching from the outside pretty much. But then as soon as the band started playing, circle mosh pits happened and whatever we got caught up in it and we started, we we all <laughs> of a sudden right got up, right up to the front, right in front of Corey Taylor. Oh man. We can nearly touch him. Like but then of Jesus. course we're there for a few minutes, absolutely pinned. Like yeah. absolutely, you know, you know, we, you're at a gig and you're just, you can't breathe almost. So yeah. we ended up joining the circle mosh pit and kind of going back to somewhere <laughs> a bit more comfortable. But that was, that was probably the coolest experience at a gig. Um, Sounds like a big carousel almost. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And somehow we got from the very back right to the front. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I don't know how it happened, but it did. Oh man. <laughs> it was a great show. If you had to pick uh, Slipknot or Stone Sour, which would it be? Yeah. Well, the thing is, Stone Sour, the first album was like the best. It was like, they kind of went a bit, like the second album was good. It had some great songs, but then they kind of went a bit too soft rock, mm. maybe. So, and well, Slipknot did as well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I suppose, yeah, Slipknot is, yeah, number one for me, I suppose, going back to yeah. your albums. The first tr- the first three albums were just, mwah, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then they kind of went a bit mm, radio rock. Yeah, of. they really did the calm down a lot. Yeah, so yeah, Slipknot definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I was lucky to see both bands and you know both incarnations and yeah, true. Delighted. Actually, and I was enjoyed it, enjoyed the crap out of it. So which yeah, uh, which one are better live? I have a feeling you're going to say Slipknot. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Slipknot definitely because just just nine of them up on the stage to put on a yeah bigger show and there's yeah definitely Slipknot definitely for sure. <laughs> right right we'll get slightly more personal now so um if you could quarantine with any artist living or dead for 24 hours just the two of you locked in a room who would it be johnny cash right right johnny cash because he's probably been my number one 
country influence. We've been talking about metal for a long time now, but yeah, we've come back to metal country now for a while. <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, yeah, Johnny Cash, he's just such a, obviously an interesting character. He went through so much in his life. He'd be a, f- a font of wisdom and mm. even just jamming out a few. If, if we're lucky enough to have a few guitars with us, I'm sure we'd jam out a few songs and maybe write a few or something. You never know. So definitely Johnny Cash. He'd have some stories to tell, I'd say. Oh, he really would. He'd be, uh, yeah. I'd love to have that experience myself. I love Johnny Cash as well. But mm. um, I'd, I think 24 hours wouldn't be enough with him, though. No, Jesus, no. You know? Um, yeah, he, he's such an intriguing man. So many ups and downs in his life. I was actually just reading his autobiography as well, and he talks about the time he had, he was so strung out on pills, and he's like, I want to, you know, he was so fed up of life that he ended up crawling into a cave and um, basically crawling and die. He, that was his plan. But Jesus. He, he basically, yeah, he kept crawling into this cave, you know, or like a, like a yeah, it's this cave I went for miles and miles and it was like tunnels and mm. just get lost. And um, yeah, he kept crawling, crawling. His torch died, but he kept crawling, crawling into the darkness and he just laid there for a while, probably a long while, I don't, I'm not sure exactly. But um, then, you know, he, he felt, you know, the spirit of God and whatever about that. But he, you know, he felt the motivation to go just to maybe turn around and crawl, just keep crawling and see if he could get out. And he's like, but there was like these precipices and stuff. He could have easily have fallen down. So he was like crawling with his hands out in front of him, feeling the ground really, you know, gently. But he ended up seeing the light at the end of the, the tunnel almost and he got out and there was June Carter waiting for him with a picnic basket and it's like we were afraid we were you know we were afraid, we were afraid for you Johnny where were you <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so that's that's an amazing story like and Jesus. yeah he, he, he once he came out then he kind of turned his life around and found God and did all gospel yeah. albums and all this kind of stuff but oh, he would have been an absolute intriguing man to to talk to or to even just to meet just to say yeah to. yeah he really would have like yeah. even that film, you know, Walk the Line. Yeah. I feel like that could have about five or six sequels to it. It just, it covered yeah. his whole life, but it didn't cover enough. You know, he had that, yeah, yeah. that much of an amazing life and there's so many different aspects to him. Yeah, exactly. I must go back. I haven't watched that in a long time. I love the Get Hard, you know, the, the John C. Reilly film. That's yeah. It's so, really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or walk hard. Well, not get hard. <laughs> walk hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's something else. Uh, yeah. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's good. It's like a, obviously a parody film with Johnny Cash and like the Beach Boys and all this kind of stuff. But oh, I was brilliant as well. Yeah. Yeah. How did you, um, how did you get into Johnny Cash then? Or do you remember the first time you ever mm-hmm. heard him? I think I, do you know what I mean? like when you're younger you just go into CD shops like BPM and Golden Discs and all this mm. kind of crack you just go flicking through CDs and I saw this guy you know Johnny Cash best of it's like I've heard of this fella I think mm. like a lot of people I listen to like music kind of talk about this guy and I was like I might give him a go so yeah bought the album and yeah never look back I still have it like and I still <laughs> stick it on the caravan again yeah um, and yeah just Absolutely, you know, I could be listening to Metallica in one second and then I stick on Johnny Cash. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, um, yeah, he had that voice. He had, it's like metal, but wasn't anyway metal at all. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it's like, it does. Yeah. It's like a, you know, a metalhead's country, you know, metalhead's acoustic singer or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be, no, I gotcha. You know, 
yeah so I definitely definitely related to him and his style and obviously now I sing a lot of his songs and stuff mm. as well and yeah it's a huge influence on any songs I write and anything like that yeah. so it's what would your top three influence. Johnny Cash songs be um oh Get Rhythm that's a great yeah. one and then you had I suppose Rock Island Line that's a good one uh, if you ever heard that one it kind of he, slow, he starts off slow and it's like a train building up speed. So by the end of it, he's like, oh, rock it on land. Yeah. He keeps going faster and faster and faster and faster. Um, then you had, then I suppose when he, he went to the Highwaymen mm. and he had, he started that super group with Willie Nelson and Wayne Jennings and Chris Christopherson. Yeah. So they have the song called The Highwayman and that's like one of the best country songs. Even if you're a metalhead, even if you like ficking pop or dance or, or whatever, if you listen to the song, you're like, wow, that's a, that is a song and a half. It really <laughs> so, is. Yeah. 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 So those are probably top three, I guess. Yeah. But it's, it's a hard choice because he obviously has so many albums and so many great songs. So it's. Yeah. I think it's almost, he's one of them singers you'd have to actually, you wouldn't be able to name your top three. You'd have to be like, right, my top three when I'm in what mood, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Like, um, so, or, a uh, thing called love is another great one it's like a gospel song it's like happy singing along type one but it's really catchy mm. yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah there's just so many like, give my love to rose that's a real slow sad song and yeah i could go on and on <laughs> do you like what do you think of the uh was it the american recordings the album that came out yes, just before yeah. he died he did like um yeah he did rusty cage Soundgarden, mm. yeah and he'd one by you two he did um Hurt, Hurt, yeah. Of course, Trent Reznor, uh, Nine Inch Nails. So yeah, Hurt, I, I played that, that song many times live, and yeah, I just yeah. And Rick Rubin produced the album as well, so it, mm. yeah, it's a great sound on the album. He did um, the man comes around. It's yeah. like the do you remember the zombie film um, Dawn of the Dead? Yes, it starts, actually, the, the intro yeah. is Johnny Cash singing "The Man Comes Around." <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. Oh, it's apocalyptic and it's oh, it's a good vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or there's a, one. I think it's on that album as well. Um, I hung my head. Have you heard that one? I think rings a bell, but I can't take it off the top of my head now. That'd be yeah. one of my favorite Johnny Cash songs. Now it's kind of slow and it's a bit, uh, a bit sad, but it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Or um, Man in Black. Like why? Why do I wear these colors on my back? Yeah. With all the people in need and all the poor people and all this kind of stuff. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's just every song you can just pick. Yeah, cover your eyes and go. You know, pinpoint. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Donkey, and you find it. Exactly. Like. Yeah, but he's he's one of them performers as well that when you're younger, you wouldn't be embarrassed to say that you like Johnny Cash. You know, he's like, no matter what age you are, he's always kind of been a cool artist to be yeah. into. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And like country kind of gets that bad rap. Yeah. Um, where. It's not very cool. And it's, you know, it's old timey music mm. and all this kind of stuff. But like, it's really not. It's like the, it's really cool type of music as well. You have your Johnny Cash, you have Willie Nelson. Like, you know, Willie Nelson's another guy that, you know, he's, he's no one would say he's not cool. He's like one of the coolest motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> then like even like the newest generation of country come from America, you have Coulter Wall. Mm. Um, if you never heard this guy, he's, he's a guy from Canada, actually. And um like you have like loads of stars out there like say Jason Momoa or like Brock Lesnar or all these guys are naming him as his like their 
his favorite, their favorite singer. Really? And he's this like 23 year old guy and it's like really deep voice and right. really, really, really um, old style vintage kind of songs and stuff like that. And I'd love to see him someday. Hmm. And then you have like Sturgill Simpson as well. Have you ever heard of that guy? The name rings a bell. Yeah. He, he put out an album a year or two ago called The Sound and Fury, which was kind of, he's a country singer. Hmm. But he, this album was like a rock and roll album. But on Netflix, he, he actually went to Japan and he got these animators to basically create an anime film as like an accompaniment yeah. to the album. Right. So you can go onto Netflix and type in Sound and Fury and you'll see this whole like hour long film and the soundtrack is the album from start to finish but the animation is like the story as it goes and it's wild and wacky as you'd expect from like, you know, uh, a Japanese manga yeah. or a Japanese anime. And uh, so he's a nerd. I actually missed him. He went, he played in, I think it was January or February of last year in Dublin. Oh. And I should have went and I didn't go for whatever fucking reason. And I really regret not going. <laughs> um, so yeah, just like, yeah, country is actually really cool. <laughs> if you look at the right places, obviously there's stuff that's not so cool and cheesy as hell and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, just really good stuff. And even if you're, Rockhead, Metalhead, whatever, you would appreciate this stuff. It is just like, you know, almost like metal lyrics to some of it. Like, yeah. there's, you know, hard hitting, deep, yeah, good lyrics, you know. So, is that, um, is that a common occurrence for uh, country singers to come to Dublin? I pro, I pro, maybe it, it yeah. is now, and I wouldn't be that into country. So, it seems strange yeah. to me, but I never really hear of yeah. country singers playing in Ireland. Not much, actually. I guess so. Um, like you had, I suppose, Chris Stapleton. He came. There's a big thing on the Tree Arena, and I didn't go to it as well. Matt didn't go to it. Chris Stapleton's another big um, influence on me. He did like a Tennessee whiskey, and mm. he's a real soulful guy, real soulful voice. If you heard his voice, you'd know exactly. Oh, that's Chris Stapleton. He's right, phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I've only heard of like him and Chris Sturgill Simpson, and not much else. No, like you wouldn't really hear of other. American singers come over all that often, so maybe they have that worldwide worldwide reach that they could do it. Maybe, but yeah, yeah, mostly mostly you wouldn't hear these kind of these singers coming over. Yeah, um, I suppose you would have like Brad Paisley and these kind of guys, big big guys, and Shotgar Brooks and that whole, <laughs> that whole yeah, that whole thing. <laughs> that few years. When was that? Like five or six years ago at this stage, wasn't it? it was yeah, crazy. it was like 2013 or 14, was it? Yeah. Did yeah. you have tickets? Um, I didn't. I wasn't a big fan at the time, but I do. I am now. I am. I really. Uh, he, again, he's that kind of polarizing kind of character, maybe. Yeah. Some people. But once you get into the songs, it's like, wow, this guy, he's, he's something else. He really is. Like, there's some, like, ton, if you listen to the song, The Thunder Rolls, mm. you will, like, get shivers every time. Yeah. It's um, unbelievable. But yeah, I would love to see him back in the day if I had a, got a ticket, if the gigs had gone ahead, obviously. But yeah. Maybe some someday, if he'd ever. He probably would never even come back because like, oh, I'm not going to deal with Ireland. Yeah, anymore. I'd say <laughs> he kind of. <laughs> I'd say he's not very fond of Ireland now. Yeah, yeah. Even though he had four sellout nights. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, just the the what was it? The people around the the, the place were giving out. Yeah, and, all know. the people that lived around objected to it, didn't they? Because they can only yeah. put on three gigs there throughout the year or something. I think something like that and they were like four nights in a row which is you know understandable like if you lived there and you weren't a big fan of concerts you had people streaming past your house at all hours of night and you had hugely loud music going on behind you and all this you know it's understandable but yeah I think the organizers really should have done you should have gone like the fucking 
RDS or anything. yeah, or what they could have done was play two nights there and maybe go down as far as the uh, as far as Cork and play two nights Cork, there. You know, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. there was definitely something that could have been done about it. Yeah, ah, sure. Look, it's done now anyway. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah. <can> you do? <laughs> and uh, what would you think of Chris Christopherson then as a solo performer? Yeah, I I've never seen him live. Um, I. Did hear your story yeah. where you went to see him and uh, he wasn't so interactive. He just got up and played. But yeah. his songwriting is, he's one of the best songwriters mm. in country music by far. Whatever about his performance wise, you know, he's obviously an old, old man. He's like 85 or something now or even older. I can't, I don't know. But like um, back in the day, he was a phenomenal songwriter and um he was a movie actor as well. He was in like yeah. He was the, um, what's that film that, that a, Bradley Cooper? A Star Is Born. He was in the original. Well, it wasn't the original. It's been made three or four times. But yeah, he was in the sixties version, wasn't he? Uh, him and Barbara Streisand. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's a great actor. He's a great singer. A great lyric, you know, lyricist. He's mm. unbelievable. Um, but yeah, maybe in later years he wasn't such a great performer. Yeah, like I would, I'd love to have been able to see him when he was younger, you know, years ago, and compare it yeah. to when I seen him because, like, he, you're right, he is very good, a very good lyricist, and but he's probably a bit too old now to be, you know, yeah. like I wasn't expecting him to be jumping around the stage or anything. But as I said in the interview, if he had been telling stories between the songs, you yeah. know. Like the life he has had, he has got some stories to tell, I'd say. Oh, definitely does. Definitely mm. does. And it's kind of, I suppose like Willie Nelson as well. He's still he's still playing gigs when he can. Like he doesn't go on tours right mm. now. He has his, um, he has his ranch and he has, a, he basically has a stage and he kind of rolls out the house into his home and he goes up on the stage and he plays to the audience that, you know, <laughs> collected there. Um, but he does this thing now where you, if you ever see any recent live videos, he kind of sings ahead of the beat. Right, all the time, and it's kind of annoying, but you kind of get used to it. But uh, he does that weird thing now. But at least he's he's still on farm. He's mm. you know he's he's. Uh, I'd love to see him, but I don't know if that's going to happen now anytime soon. And sure, he probably yeah. You know he's open. He's up in his age as well. Yeah, so he must kinda, be in his eighties now as well, is he? Yeah, yeah. I'd say mid eighties or I don't know. Mm. It's, it's hard. To, it's hard to know anymore. But he seems like one daughter. He kind of keeps current yeah yeah he actually released an he, he released an album there recently he, he did a few Frank Sinatra songs and, and this kind of stuff yeah yeah and he's still at it there was a, a song that came out before Christmas he was a, it was a duet I'm trying to think of what it was it was with some um, some up and coming singer now pop singer Under Pressure was it a cover of Queen and David Bowie's it was interesting though. it was a good one yeah, jeez, I'll look it up. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, he still has the voice anyway for the recording and stuff. Well, oh, yeah. you know, as you would when you're 80. <laughs> but he still can, you know, he can still deliver. Yeah, at yeah. At the same time. But, I yeah, always he, think of that meme with uh, him and Keith Richards. It's like, be careful what you do with the earth. With the earth. We have to leave it for Keith Richards. And, <laughs> you know, because the two yeah. of them are never going to die, apparently. No, no, no. And it's, you ever hear the story of him... Um, Back in the day, he was on the, he went to visit the White House. I think Jimmy Carter was the president right. at the time. And he, 
managed to, he, he met Jimmy Carter's son or something like that, I think. And the two of them went up to the, the roof of the White House and he started smoking an LJ <laughs> and on the roof of the White House. Oh, Jesus. Know? And I think he got away with it anyway, no matter what. <laughs> he was with the president's son, so fair play to him. Oh. Anyway. He's an absolute legend. Yeah, yeah. And there's like some tour stories of him and Waylon Jennings. Um, Waylon Jennings, of course, is another huge influence on me mm. and mine. He, if you don't know him, if you ever watched the, the Dukes of Hazard back in the day, he was the guy singing the intro. Yeah. And he yeah. did the narration as well. So he has that real, you know, that, that real country sound. Yeah. That real accent and everything. He's unreal. And the two of them used to tour together for years and years. But um, Waylon was on the, the white stuff. Uh, and his crew was on the white stuff, all his crew and all, they were on the white stuff. But Willie and his crew were on the green stuff. <laughs> but they kind of got on. But the thing is, if Waylon found any of his crew on the green, he'd fire him. And likewise, if Willie found any of his guys on the white stuff, he'd fire them. <laughs> it's, it was a weird, uh, weird, mix. weird dynamic, but yeah. it, it worked. So, Jeez. and they have some crazy, there were some tons of crazy wild stories and stuff from the day. They're, they were like, like they were the outlaw of country as well. Like there's, with country, there's so many different types. There's like the Nashville polished yeah. poppy sound. And then you had their outlaws like Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson. And they had their own sound. They did things their own way. Mm. They had their own tour buses. They had the rock star lifestyle. They had always. Oh, yeah. Cuckoo bananas. <laughs> <laughs> it was something else altogether. Um, love to see, would love seeing them back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, uh... Well, they'd be right in saying Waylon Jennings was the guy that was supposed to be on Buddy Holly's plane. That's true. He played bass for uh, Buddy Holly. Yeah, and he flipped um, the coin and lost the bet yeah. and uh, Richie That's Valens true. got on the plane instead of him. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Or was it the big bopper? It was one or the two. The three of them were on, obviously. The three yeah. of them were on the plane. But I think it was the big bopper that got Waylon's seat uh, yeah. instead because the big I think he had a, a bit of a flu. Mm. Big Bopper had a flu and the, the tour bus they were on was like really, it was like a fridge on wheels pretty much. Yeah. And we're like huddled up, you know, shaking. Um, but yeah, Waylon was like, oh, just I'll toss the coin. You're you're a bit sick. We'll toss the coin and see how it, and say, oh, you got it. Go ahead and I'll mm. run the tour bus. And sure. Yeah, do you know what uh, plane went his down. last words to Buddy Holly was? I do. Yeah, oh, Buddy Holly said, uh, I'm going to be laughing at, laughing myself all the way to the other airport, laughing at you, freezing your ass off on the bus. And he said, yeah, well, That's I it. hope your plane crashes. Like, imagine how. Oh, jeez. He felt like I've heard interviews of him talking about it. And it's, oh, I felt so sick mm. after hearing the news. And exactly, especially after what he said. But he didn't. It was obviously a yeah. joke. It was just, yeah. you know, as you say it to your friend, like, so, but, um, oh, yeah, that's, that's heartbreaking like he's just hard to come back from something like that yeah yeah i'm sure it uh it hung over him for a long time yeah definitely definitely but he went on to be a, a legend in his own yeah. right as well isn't his son a country singer as well i think yeah shooter Jennings. yeah yeah absolutely yeah he's um he has his own uh, country stuff he's kind of rock and roll influence as well he i think he's produced albums with marilyn manson <laughs> right. um he's Oh, it's, it's, yeah, the world of country is, is mad. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. The more you dig into it, it's like crazy stuff you find. And yeah, Shooter, he's great in his own right as well. And yeah, I definitely, rec if no one's heard about him, go listen to him if you can. Yeah. It's great. It's really good. Really good. How would you uh, compare American country then to Irish country? Now, I would prefer the American myself. Right. Especially the outlaw stuff, mm. the, 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 that kind of stuff. Um, Whereas, yeah, the Irish stuff has this completely, it has its own sound. 
it's more or less what the diddly eye kind of sound, I <laughs> yeah. guess. Um, which is great. It's grand. There's some, you know, obviously fantastic songs out there. But for me, and actually what I find as well on when I'm talking on to guests on my own podcast, The Folk Around, um, like we're talking to a lot of, say, there's some 17-year-olds and 20-year-olds. And they're like people starting off in country. And a lot of these young people actually are way more influenced by the American stuff than the Irish. Mm. And, and I think in Ireland, the Irish country scene, the American stuff is kind of not as popular. It is kind of not, you know, it's not as welcomed. Mm. Um, but I think it's kind of, it might, it might have its day. It might be coming around because all these young people and myself as well, we're all we're doing this kind of more American influence yeah, country. Yeah. And uh, it's going to, I think it's going to permeate and it's going to become a, hopefully a big thing anyway. Mm. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Yeah, I remember um, I was shocked to actually find out that I always knew there was like a country scene in Ireland, but I always thought yeah. it was like my grandparents and, mm. you know, like old yeah. ones going to dances and everything. But I remember seeing a documentary on the TV one night last year, the year before, about Ireland's underground country music scene. And it was yeah. full of like teenagers, 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, and it was massive. But they seem really diehard about country music, you know. There are, yeah, there's, they're absolutely fanatics in every sense of the word, some of them. They're, yeah, it's just, it's a, all age ranges, men, women, um, yeah, they're all out dancing, doing the jives and all this kind of crack. And yeah, I was surprised as well. I thought it would be, I suppose, a lot of the older generation that would be you know, listening to it. But yeah. yeah, there's like a lot of my followers are, you know, younger people, mm. like younger than I am. <laughs> so Jeez. it's crazy. Like, so it's, yeah, it's it's great. It's it's going to keep going. Like it's not going to die off anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. It's going to, especially then when we get gigging again, hopefully it's going to, it's going to, sh you know, shoot to the moon. It's going to be, you know, mad out there it's going to be oh can't wait <laughs> but uh have you had a chance to play many gigs before the pandemic i was i was kind of just getting going really uh on the gigging scene before everyone kind of shut down mm. um i was getting like a lot of local gigs and pubs and stuff and i got like a residency in uh joe dumbrody house mm. there was a pub, a pub there called the local and i kind of got like a you know a regular gig there but they're shut completely they're never going to open oh, again really? kind of so i'm kind of okay that's that gig gone, as well as a cool pub con. Mm -hmm. But um, I did I did manage to get up to the north. I have a, a a good friend of mine called Heather, and she's a backing singer. She sings a lot of backing singing or backing vocals on my album, and she lives up in the north. And uh, she managed to uh, get us two gigs up there. Oh, wow. one's in a shopping center. Yeah, one was in a shopping center. Funnily enough, <laughs> it was in like the main thoroughfare where they usually set up like um, maybe. Uh, little or orchestras, you know, quartets and things, yeah. or choirs and things. But they had a little stage, and she managed to blag her way into getting us the gig. <laughs> um, so we set up in the front of the, you know, in this middle of a shopping center, and me there, you know, strumming out, you know, Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, all this kind of stuff. And like people were like, oh, this is actually, they were sitting down, they had they put out chairs, and I was fully expecting no one to sit yeah. down, like you know. But yeah, it filled up. People were listening to us. There, I had a few CDs for sale. They were buying them. They were like, wow, this is actually, you know, this is. You know, this is class. Jesus. <laughs> and um, yeah, people kind of lined up, sitting, standing at the shop doors, looking at us and stuff. And it's like the weirdest place to play a game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was really enjoyable. And, you know, made some friends that day and, you know, made some fans hopefully as mm -hmm. well. And and then, yeah, it was great, 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 great. But um, yeah, it was only, to be honest, just getting started. And then bang, <laughs> it's like, nope, no more gigs. So 
So, uh, it's an unlucky time, really, to get to pick to get started, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then there's like there's some singers out there that wouldn't have they wouldn't have a setup like me. I can record myself, mm. I can produce myself, I can mix myself, all this kind of stuff. A lot of singers wouldn't have that, I suppose. And Southsider or Five K and all this kind of stuff, so they're kind of stuck, I guess. But I can keep going. Like I do a full time job as well, and I, like yourself, you just you have to keep going. Yeah. But you know, my spare time, I do a lot of to keep working on music, and I started doing this podcast as well. And I tell you, it's a great way of networking, like even talking to yourself, Yeah, you know, and I'm here interviewing, um, you know, big names in country music that would never have spoke to, you know, when you could, at least when you go through a gig, you might have a chance of, you know, shaking hands with these people, but they obviously you can't. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's cool. It's a really good way to, you know, get out there and meet people and build relationships yeah. and stuff. And that's obviously a cornerstone to getting anywhere in the music industry no matter how good you are great songwriter you are it doesn't matter you have to kind of get out there and shake hands and get to yeah. know people and these people might give you a shot or whatever and that kind of thing and hopefully I could help other people like they get on my on the podcast and gives them exposure and yeah. gives me exposure and all you know what's to say um, a rising tide raises all ships that's the kind of that's the way I look at it. everyone just help each other instead of Generally, sometimes in the music industry, it is kind of a thing where it's doggy dog mm. and it's all competition and stuff. And like, whereas I'm complete opposite. I was like, you know, as musicians, sometimes you know, generally are they're all like, you know, help each other. I'd prefer to jam a song yeah. with you than, you know, cut you out and say bad things about you or whatever. Because yeah. that does does nothing for anyone. So I'm, you know, I'm all about like building the community and helping people and yeah, you know, yeah, getting out there and. Having the crowd, <laughs> walking around. Yeah, yeah. I was actually, uh, that's one thing that really surprised me as well when I started the podcast. It kind of it shows how small the world is at the same time, you know, mm. and how accessible people yep. are. Because yep. when I started, I was like, how am I going to get people to come on to the show, you know? Mm. And within a couple of weeks, I was getting emails off people asking to come on the show. And, yeah. you know, then you're, like you said, you're reaching people that, you thought you'd never be able to reach or never be able to talk, yeah. you know, and these people are actually yeah. more than happy to come on and talk to you. It's, it's exactly. crazy. But um, I suppose people are, they're stuck at home as well. They're not out gigging. They're not like in the country scene, like a lot of big names are gigging mm. four or five nights a week. Like it's constant, like, and they don't have the time to sit down for yeah. an hour, hour and a half, two hour chat or whatever it is like. Yeah. Um, but now they're sitting at home and they're, they're more than able to do it. And the thing is, as well, we thought, like the girl, uh, Jody, the, the girl I do it, she kind of knows a lot of people in the industry. Mm. Um, and even she was thinking, oh, I'm wondering now, will, will it be hard to get people on? But no, it's <laughs> like we have like 40 guests in the pipeline. Jesus. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and we have some pretty, you know, big names. I'm not going to say in case it doesn't happen. Yeah. No, knock on wood or anything, but we have some pretty big names that you would rec definitely recognize, even if you don't know anything about the country scene. They might be coming on as well, so it's kind of, you know, it's it's going. Good. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I always wonder though. It's always in the back of my mind. I wonder what it'll be like now after all this pandemic stuff is over. You know, will it still be? Well, obviously, it won't be as easy, but will people still be as accessible and willing to come on? You know. Yeah, I don't know because I suppose podcasting itself it is still new to a lot of people. Mm. You know, even though it's it's really not, it's like it's been going for ten way ten plus yeah. years. Like even um, I know myself, I'm an absolute addict like to podcasts. I, I have a job where I have my headphones on, 
and I can just listen away all yeah. day. So I'm listen, literally listening to seven, eight hours of podcasts <laughs> a day. I, I'm nuts. Like I just, I, I'm, I'm subscribed to like 30 or 40 different podcasts or whatever. Yeah. Like I just listen to them like mad. But I know everyone's not like me. So, you know, it's a, uh, People don't, some people don't even know what a podcast is and you have to explain it mm. to them. And how do I even, how do I listen to it? Is it on radio? Is it on the TV? It's like, no, no, not necessarily. Um, but it's just, you know, get to Spotify or whatever the fuck you want to use. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I just love the idea of podcasts where you just, like, we're just having a chat. Exactly. Like, we're not having a full-blown interview. We're not caught for time. We're, yeah. You know, none of this crap. Yeah. Um, we just have to chat and, you know, things happen, you know, in the good flow and good conversation happens and you know yeah there's nothing like it exactly because you know yeah it's funny though i am um, i was trying to explain to my parents what a podcast was the easiest way i could say it to them was it's like a radio talk show but it's not on the radio yeah and you can listen yeah. to it whenever you want and I don't think that I still think they don't really have the concept of it. My uh, the first thing my father yeah. asked was, "Can you get paid for it?" I was like, "No, no, <laughs> oh, not for a long time." My, my own father's like that as well. Are you making money? Like, no, <laughs> it's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in the future, but not yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just. But that's the thing. It's uh It's not about the money, really. You know, like sure, that'd be nice no. down the line if you could be like one of yeah. the few that do make money from it. That'd be cool. <laughs> but like, that's not the point. It's more of the enjoyment factor of it. You know, it's a it's yeah, a deadly exactly. hobby to have. Yeah, and like, um, I appeared as a guest on. Did I mention sorry? But I appeared on the uh, on a guest on an American podcast there just two weeks ago. Uh, guys based in California. I was talking to this guy, Art and Jacob do America. And I was on talking about Loftus Hall and Leaf Castle <laughs> and talking about ghosts and fairies and stuff. And it was great. And they loved the two Mexican guys talking to this Irish guy, you yeah. know, and they were asking me about, do you have lucky charms in Ireland <laughs> and stuff? I was like, well, we do. But they were kind of like almost banned for a long time because they had so much sugar. But you had to go into like specialist candy shops and <laughs> yeah. art import them from America. <laughs> and they couldn't get their head around it and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, it was just, oh, it's, it's crazy. Like, and I've made so many friends, even from other podcasts. Well, like there's communities based around podcasts. Yeah. I have friends all around the world based on just this community. I listen to this, like a Sofa King podcast, mm-hmm. other podcasts, and we're just we're all friends, best of friends. We've never met each other. We're all in different countries: America, South yeah. Africa, fucking everywhere. And we're like the best of friends, and we're sh- sharing memes all the time <laughs> and having a great crack. But that wouldn't happen with without a podcast, you know? Yeah, it's exactly. It's mad and creates a whole. That's one of the best things about podcasting is the community of other podcasters you meet, you know, and you're like, yeah, you almost yeah. become family with them. And as you said, you've never met them. Yeah, you know? exactly. Apart from uh, Rob on Monsterful, I met him one, one time um, in Wexford in the gym, in the, <laughs> what was it, the Whitford or whatever you call it. I met him one time, we were just chatting away. Um, this is long before either of us started a podcast mm-hmm. or anything like that. So it was great. Like saw him doing that. I was like, yeah. And he, we're talking about cryptids. Brilliant. That's what I love. <laughs> I listened to it from day one. Yeah. Yeah. It was the same. I couldn't. <laughs> and then he told me about you and oh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's great. We're just building our own little community, our own network and yeah. good people having a good time. Yeah. That's, that's what's all we'll, uh, we'll all have to get together and start a community of Wexford podcasts. <laughs> exactly. The Wexford network of podcasts yeah. or something. <laughs> or we all do like a live one and we're all in the room. It's one. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be savage. Like, that's uh, the uh, that's the funny thing. I've always been a, uh, I've always thought it was weird about Monsterfuzz because the two lads on it, I don't think I've ever met them, but yeah, 
we like know all the same people and we're friends with all the same people. And it's just weird <laughs> that we've never crossed paths. <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah, and they're talking about all the, the characters around. Town. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that is that's one of the best bits. Don't, I don't think they mentioned uh, was it Maggie Hurley? Remember that one? Yeah, I don't I, think they've mentioned her yet. I think they might have mentioned her <laughs> song in one of the episodes, but they haven't oh, okay, specifically okay. mentioned her. But then they use nicknames for everyone. That's it, maybe. Yeah. So I don't even know if that's her real name. I don't know. I just you you you'd see her in passing. We'll say no more about her just in case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, if you could see any performer who's living or dead, I probably know the answer now. In concert, ah, yes. who would it be? Mm. Obviously, yeah. Well, I suppose the obvious answer would be Johnny Cash. Yeah. Um, especially, yeah, the Folsom Prison mm. concert. So obviously, you wouldn't want to be in the audience. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, actually, I'll tell you a story about that. Um, have you heard of this country singer Merle Haggard? Yeah. Do you know this guy? Yes. He was in... I think it was Folsom. I think it was Folsom. He was a prisoner at the time and he was in the audience at one of Johnny no Cash's way. gigs. And it changed his, you know, changed his life pretty yeah. much. And when he got out of prison, he became a singer, changed his life. He was like a, a renegade, always breaking the law when he was a kid and all this kind of stuff. And he ended up in prison and saw Johnny Cash and changed his life. And he became a, a country music legend in his own right. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So... It'd be magic to be in a Johnny Cash concert. Yeah. You never know what yeah, happened to you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Speaking of uh Marl Haggard, did you ever hear of uh oh the Bloodhound Gang? Oh yeah. I remember Do would like to do on the Discovery Channel. Yeah. I have their <laughs> I had their album uh oh, I can't think of the name of it now. Hooray for Boobies, actually it was called. Was but <laughs> uh there's like forty seven tracks or something on the album. But like a good 30 of them are just nothing. It plays for like 20 seconds. It's like a kind of a joke thing. And then yeah. when you get to track 30, a song comes on, then nothing for five more tracks. But uh, there's a song that's like their take on a Merle Haggard song. And uh, oh, okay. oh, what was it's uh, a lap dance is so much better when the stripper is crying and they sing it in his style of singing <laughs> and everything. It's just it's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. that's brilliant. I think that was actually my yeah. first introduction to Marl Haggard. Yeah. And have you ever heard his song, uh, Oki from Muskogee? No, actually. Or Muskogee. Um, it's a song, it's like, um, we don't smoke marijuana here in, in the South. Or, you know, this kind of stuff. And mm. it's like, um, only hippies have long hair and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. But it's it's that kind of a song. But the thing is, he wrote it as satirical. Uh, he wrote a song as if, you know, if he was in the mind of his own father looking at these guys with long hairs. Oh, they're all hippies and and the um, the only cigarettes we're smoking around here are picking Marlboros or whatever it is. You know, you know it's kind of, um, it's really kind of conservative mm. sounding song, uh, but it was completely satirical. But the thing is, it all these conservative people really took it on board and loved it. And even I think uh, Reagan at the time yeah. wanted him to perform it for him and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. But it was complete piss take. But if you if you if you listen to Okie Oki from Muskogee, um, it's a really class song and it's 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 funny how it this how the story ended up. <laughs> going, yeah. Everyone is complete satire. Um, but the the crowd it wasn't aimed at loved it. Jeez. <laughs> so it's just funny. But oh yeah. It's one of them things, though, isn't it? It's the typical thing, like you're taking the piss out of someone and they're the ones that actually love it. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny how it goes sometimes. Mm. And uh, if you had to pick a song then that would appear on the soundtrack to your life, what would it be? Oh, actually, yeah, that was a good question. I, I, oh, that's a good, really good one. Um, I think it would be uh, Johnny Paycheck, another country singer, and his, uh, uh, let me see, Take This Job and Shove It. Right. It's the name of the song. Because I've had lots of different types of jobs, um, in different way, you know, different disciplines mm. and so on. And I've had a few managers and bosses that were living nightmares, you could say. Yeah. And they make your life absolute hell. Uh, for no reason. Like I'm, you know, a good worker. I'm putting my head down, I put do the work and, you know, get the job done, go home at the end yeah. of the day. But the bosses just want to take advantage of you. Um, like I'm very helpful. I, you know, I put myself, I go out of my way to help, mm. you know, and then they, you know, some people take advantage of that as well. And then you're, you're too strained or you have to do too much work in too little a time. And you're like, um, I've had jobs where I had to work 16 hour days with like 15 minute break. Oh. It's completely stupid. At, you know, obviously looking back, it's like I shouldn't have, shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Like, you know, I should have said, fuck off. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, Johnny Paycheck, take this job and shove it. And it's once you hear the the first the start of it, and yeah, it's like this is I can relate to mm. this song. So this is definitely a big part of my life where I had all these jobs. Where I just want to sh- shout this <laughs> at, at my boss, <laughs> the bosses. So that, that's definitely a that's going on the soundtrack of my life for sure. I think that's something everybody can probably relate to. <laughs> exactly, I, think, I feel exactly like it takes so. a long time to actually get the job that you you're happy doing or that you'll you'll settle for doing you know yeah yeah like i've had uh and bosses turn around and be like in a joke and start to take and the piss sort of way going you do everything here i know that if i rang you at four o'clock in the morning you'd gladly come in you know uh-huh. and i'd be like yeah. no i wouldn't gladly come in but i'm that much of a fucking idiot i probably would come in <laughs> you know <laughs> that's the thing like I, I as i'm growing older and having different jobs i realize like the bosses aren't loyal to you in mm. any way like you're there to do a job you know it's kind of almost it is naive to think that they would be yeah they're not there to take care of you some boss i have had very good bosses oh, yeah. don't get yeah. me wrong like but some of them they're just there to you know squeeze you for every ounce of work that you can get out yeah. of you and they pay as little as, as as possible as well and yeah it's just I, like I'm at the stage where I just I don't want to work for anyone else. I want to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. I want to make my music. I want to maybe produce songs for people and you know car people and do podcasts. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. entertain people and hopefully maybe make some money out of it too, which you know hasn't happened yet. But <laughs> <laughs> if you fingers crossed in the future, I like I just love to be able to make a living wage mm-hmm. just to get by, pay the bills, I'm not looking to fucking buy a Lamborghini or anything. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just in that stage where I just love to give up a day job and just play gigs make music mm. make podcasts just be happy have fun with know, it but yeah but obviously it's not that I, I have a job where I didn't have much time off I had you know during this severe parts of the lockdown I did have a few weeks mm. off at a time which I made as much use of <laughs> as I possibly could making music and so on but then obviously I'm back at it full time yeah so it kills your kills your productivity and you come home in the evening and you're just like oh fuck I just want to sit down <laughs> and do nothing but then you do get that, you know, sit down for an hour or two and you get your energy back and then I'm up editing mm. guitar tracks or something. Like, you know, you're up at it again. Yeah. It's just kind of can't stop almost as well. I kind of 
I'm a glutton for punishment, I suppose. But yeah, hopefully I can go out full time at some point in my life. Yeah, I, I'm similar to yourself now. I was uh, working the whole way through the pandemic and it's uh, it's like a mix of mornings one week, evenings the next week and then oh, nights yeah. the next week. Oh, but uh, that screw you up. It? it really does trying to get your sleep pattern around to it. But uh, yeah. I've always said to myself, the goal is to have a job that you're going into work and it doesn't feel like you're going into work, you know, yeah. or yeah. a job that you just truly enjoy that you don't mind getting up in the morning for. And the job I have mm. now, in fairness, I don't mind at all. But again, it's not. I don't know how to say it. It's like, it's not what I'd love to be doing. You know, it's not like what you're, you feel like you're on earth to do. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. You're, you're, you feel like you could do more. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I'm exactly the same. Like, it's just, yeah. I just feel like, you know, you're wasting your time doing, working for someone else. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously you're making money and stuff and paying the bills and you know, that goes along Mm. with it. But just the fact that, all your time is just sucked up and time is your most valuable thing. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Especially as you get older, you find, you realize like, you know, look back at a few years when I was younger and I just wasted so much time doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, sorry. And that's why I actually, I call my album worthwhile waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> when I was doing this album, it could have been a waste of time, uh, but it was worthwhile because I was learning how to produce and write songs and stuff mm-hmm. as I did it. And at the end of it, I ended up with a, a full album. And I was happy with it and proud of it. And I put it out and people liked it. And that was worthwhile. Yeah. But also a waste of time. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, oh, it's, and I think my next album might be still wasting time. I'm not sure. I have to figure out a name. It's for a good, uh, a <laughs> good follow up. All right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, just as you grow older, yeah, time is the most valuable. It valuable does. It's so finite. Yeah, exactly. It's the only thing you can't get Fish. more of. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people screaming at us like, they've been locked down for last year and they have nothing but time. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, there's the, the opposite side of it as well. Mm-hmm. And they're dying to get back to work. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's different. Exactly. Everyone's different. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, before I let you go, then I've, uh, one more question for you, your songwriting. Yeah. What's your process for it? Right. Yeah. It's, um, it can be different at times. Uh, like most of the time I just pick up an acoustic guitar and I just start strumming and you just kind of you're fiddling mm. you're fiddling you're just messing and then all of a sudden you have a little chord progression or a little lick or something like, oh that's that's nice and I might I might develop that a little bit more and then you you have a few chords and you end up having a, kind of a, a basic arrangement and then I start humming mm. um, I start humming a vocal melody mm. and you kind of get where the words will be placed I guess yeah and you have a kind of a hook to the melody and stuff, but you haven't got any lyrics yet. Or sometimes you'd be playing and you just start saying words <laughs> as well. And the words kind of start making sense in a weird yeah. way, even though they don't make sense. But then you, you'll, you'll hit on a word. It's like, oh, that's that could be a good topic for this particular song. And then you expand on that word or something like that. So it's kind of, it kind of flows out of you. You don't, like, I can't sit down and go, okay, I'm going to write a song now. It's yeah. Just, it just doesn't happen. I just, you know, I'll stare at a blank page, pen in hand, and just not come out. Sometimes it can. Like sometimes it could be talking to yourself and you could say a phrase mm. like, oh, that could be a good song title. <laughs> and then I'll start jotting down. Like, like I have this song, my next single is going to be called uh, No Front Door. I wrote it myself and it was actually wrote like two years ago and haven't released it yet, but I'm still working on right. it. Um, 
the the production of it. Uh, but it's um, we're sitting at like Christmas table with my dinner or Christmas dinner table with my dad and the family. And my dad was telling the story about when he was young, and he remember going over to this house of a neighbor, and he went in, and there was no front door in the house. Right. And that was literally it. That was the story he told. And that was it. <laughs> then I was like, no front door, no front door. That sounds good. And I ended up writing on a, like a napkin there and then. I wrote out, like, mm. literally wrote the song out. And it was like a story about like a, an alcoholic father and there's cans and beer, you know, cans of bottles on the ground and the family are crying and there's mm. like breeze going through the house and they can't keep the fire lit. and You know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just kind of farm. Yeah. It's just like I spilled it on the page. But that's That's rare that that can happen as well. Um, sometimes you really have to work at the lyrics. It's kind of yeah, yeah. There's no there's no set way of doing it. Some people are great for that and just sit down with a blank page and just write away. But um, most of the time, and just I strum some chords and I start singing nonsense, and it kind of starts forming from there. It's like a kind of a creative flow. Yeah, yeah. Say. It almost feels like you're not writing it as well. It just feels like it's falling out of you, and you just have to make sure you record <laughs> it or you write it down or yeah. something so you don't forget yeah. it. Yeah, so it's. Just uh, whatever strange old process. feels right when it flows, it just flows. Yeah, it's weird exactly. though. I've heard exactly. uh, I've heard a few different ones now. I've heard people say that they pick random words out of a dictionary and try put them into a song, or okay. they've cut words out of a magazine and done it that way, or then like they'll be out for a walk and a melody will just pop into their head. You know, it's mm. it's it go, just goes show how everyone. How everyone's brain works differently when it comes to music, but yeah. then you had like uh, Paul McCartney. I think was a there was one famous song he wrote, and he woke up from a dream, and it was in his dream, and he wrote down. He made sure to yeah like, yesterday, uh, yesterday. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yesterday. yeah. And when he woke right, up, yeah. he uh, he was sitting there at his he was sta- he was living with his girlfriend at the time, and he went down for breakfast, and he was uh he was like one of them things, you know, your dreams start slipping away as soon as you wake up. So he was yeah, searching yeah, for yeah. something to keep it in his mind and he looked down at his plate and it was uh, scrambled eggs and ham. So he kept humming <laughs> scrambled eggs and ham to keep the melody in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, I don't know, music is that special thing. I just mm. I absolutely love it. It's just, you can't put your finger on it. It's like when you break it down, it's literally way, sound waves, um, uh, you know, vibrating in different ways. Yeah. That's literally on a scientific level. But then when you put it all together, it's just, it creates, it can give you goosebumps, yeah. it makes your hair stand on end, it give you chills to the back of your spine, it can cause you to be in a metal <laughs> mosh pit or, you know, screaming, you know, screaming your lungs out in the field, 8,000 yeah. people. It's just, oh, this is magical thing. Like, I've always just been addicted to it. Mm. If I can do it as a, like a full-time job or whatever you could call yeah. it for, you know, that would just be ideal for me anyway. Living the dream. Living the dream. But yeah, before we let you go then, is there anything our listeners should be looking out for soon? What's ah, on yeah, the cards so for Copper Kelly? Yeah, so I have the, the podcast going anyway, the Folk and Around podcast, and you'll find it anywhere like Spotify and all those good places anyway. And um, yeah, I have, my own, I have music out on uh, Spotify and Apple and anywhere you can get good music as well. And uh I do a bit of live streaming on Facebook as well, a few uh, few gigs. I might actually start doing a few. Uh, I'm thinking of doing a bit of live stream gaming for the crack. Oh, and like Twitch. Red Dead Redemption 2 or something yeah. like that. So you're like a little a country singer playing a cowboy simulator. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, it's going to be a good crack. That I'd say. Would I'm, be I'm, good. I'm, I'm kind of getting the gear together and hopefully try to start doing it soon. Mm. Uh, so maybe look out for that. But um, yeah, I'm just 
love being on podcasts and I just I'm kind of trying to get out there and you know make something of myself I suppose so if you're yeah, yeah I've music out there and I've yeah, all sorts. You're of on stuff. all the on all the socials <laughs> yeah. and all the socials. Yeah, Copper Kelly Music on all the socials and website CopperKelly.com. Nice and easy to remember. And then, yeah, has all my links to socials there on that website as well. Perfect. All that good stuff. I've lots of music videos. Actually, I've really I have a director. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He's a neighbor. He lives across the field, <laughs> and he directs all my music videos. And he's like a professional videographer. Uh, Declan Colfer is his name. Uh-huh. So if you look up my music videos on YouTube. Uh, whatever about the quality of the music, <laughs> whatever about that, that's so subjective. But the, the visuals are immaculate. They're, you know, the, he does it so well. Mm. I'm so lucky that he's just, you know, he's a neighbor and he's a friend of yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, the music videos are top notch, regardless of the music, whatever you think about the music. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, for instance, like I have a Her Home is one of my songs released a while ago. And I got, we got a drone. Uh, here's a drone. Mm. And we set the drone up around Duncannon and Hook Head. And um, Schlieve Kylsha, the the mount, the the hill, yeah. the mountain near New Ross there, and it's like showing the beautiful green grasses of Ireland. Oh. <laughs> you know the green grass of Ireland. Also, any of your foreign listeners, if you want to see where we're living, Wexford, yeah. Um, yeah, have a look at that her home video, and uh, it's probably a real cheesy kind of song, <laughs> but the video is beautiful. <laughs> deadly, deadly. They'll have to check it out. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to tell us about the song we heard there at the start? Okay. Uh, yeah. So, sixteen tons was the um, yeah my latest single. It was the cover of uh, an old nineteen forty song. Uh, it was I think it was written by Merle Travis and then recorded by Tennessee Ernie Ford and Johnny Cash did a version of it. And it's about coal mining, and it's about um, basically if you know anything about coal mining back in like the nineteen hundreds, start the nineteen twentieth century. Um, the miners based, or the coal mining companies basically kind of owned the miners. They lived in the towns that were right beside the coal mine. And I think if you survived the coal mines for a month, then you wouldn't get paid in cash anymore. You get paid in scrip, what's it called? Or it's like credit or ore. Like you'd be paid in the ore. Right. Um, but you couldn't use that ore anywhere apart from the company store, which is like the grocery shop, grocery store that was... Um, run by the company, mm. the coal mining company. And they had anything you need, you know, clothes and groceries and stuff. But the prices were obviously hugely inflated because you couldn't actually go down to the local green grocer because you didn't have any cash. All you had was the, the credit yeah. from the company. So um, there's a famous line in the songs like, um, if I get it right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you load 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Ah. Um, Saint Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store because you've you've racked up so much debt mm. having to buy these groceries at inflatable, you know, inflated prices. Yeah. Um, it's just such a horrible system. Um, which you know you probably see in some places today, like you know, maybe not as in that certain certain way, but you know, some places. Yeah. Um, so it's a real hard hitting kind of song. It's about you're loading 16 tons of coal and getting nowhere. Mm. Um, so it's just a, a great song. I think the first time I heard it was these guys, I think in Scotland, doing an a cappella version of it or something. And I just fell in love with the song. I was like, what is this song? This is amazing. <laughs> I have to do, I have to do, I have to do a version of this. And um, so I did. And I, I recorded a full production and I got some friends, friends on, you know, uh, some friends on drums and backing vocals. Um, I have like, 
uh, guy, uh, my friend Heather uh, from the North, she was on back and forth, a friend called uh, Rory Cooper from New Ross, and he is an absolute musical genius as well. He came in and I, he said, I might try some vocal harmonies here. I said, like, okay, grand, work away. And he ended up doing this like Beach Boys level uh, four-part harmonies. <laughs> and it's, oh, it's just like sending shivers down your spine. Mm. And uh, it's just, just, it's a big production to the song and hope, hopefully people liked it anyway. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. So, so uh, I've had a great time chatting with you tonight. Absolutely. Me too. It was great. Crack. It was. It really was. It's one of my longest episodes as well, I think. Oh, yeah. It? <laughs> <laughs> once I, uh, I have a feeling once I add in all the music and everything, it's going to be about three or four hours long. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no harm. It's a podcast. Exactly. That's the thing about That's it. it. You just get lost <laughs> in the conversation sometimes. Yeah. But uh, so the listeners are going to hear your song Get Gone play us out tonight. Yeah. Would you like to tell them a bit about it? Yeah, this uh, Get Gone is my second last song. I think I released it back in August of last year. And um, I wrote this one myself. And it's about telling someone that cheated on you to get gone. <laughs> right. Much. But it's not from like a, a life uh, experience in a way. It's more sometimes when you write a song, you kind of put your head into like a, the mind of a character mm. almost. And you kind of write about potential experience that they might have and the feelings they might have or whatever. Um, so it's a song about telling someone to get gone, which is kind of a sad topic in itself. But I have like fiddle going and there's, you know, it's a clappy kind of, you know, toe tapping, barn dance. Kind yeah, of, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeehaw. And all this kind of stuff. That's a good bit of crack like and... Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I put that out there last August and really proud of it. And hope, hopefully your listeners will like it too. Oh, good, good. <laughs> well, thanks a million for coming on. Aye, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Get down, get down, get down, long come. You've been messing around, you've been gone all night, I know what's going on. Get down, get down, get down, long come. I hope that door slaps you on the way out. You've got to know. Hurt me deep inside This pain is real A feeling I can't hide I no longer will I allow this carry on And go on and pack the bags Go on and get gone Get gone, get gone, get gone Long gone You're messing around You've been gone all night I know what's going on Get gone, get gone, get gone Long gone I don't want to hear it I just go and pack the bags even messing around almost every night, I'm so sad I don't want to bite. Long your ears, long where I hide my tears. Get gone, get gone, get gone, long gone. I hope that door stops you on the way out. He's from All I want to do now is move on But your eyes tell the lies that keep us here Go on and pack the bags, go on and get clear Get gone, get gone, get gone, long gone You've been messing around, you've been gone all night I know what's going on Get gone, get gone, get gone, long gone I don't want to hear it, I just go and pack the bags you've been messing around almost every night I'm so sad I don't want to fight the longer you're here the longer I light my tears get gone get gone get gone long gone I hope the door slaps you on the way out
great to have someone on from my hometown especially a musician if you did why not go rate and review it on itunes it really helps the show grow and while you're at it go check out some of copper's music and subscribe to his podcast it's a really good one and i just wanted to remind you that we've some merch available on tea public and teespring and that next week's guests are the amazing irish band wild tibetan monks so until then keep rocking What are you guys still doing here? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.